I imagine that right now you're feeling a bit like Alice. Tumbling down the rabbit hole, hmm? You could say that. I can see it in your eyes. You have the look of a man who accepts what he sees because he is expecting to wake up. everyone finally once again team rabbit hole edition 254 with christopher Reusch, as in german pronunciation jim you can make up your own version the book of fear a synchronistic meeting and conversation once again welcome christopher and of course also welcome jim and everyone listening and tuning in what up christopher how are you doing yeah i'm doing good i guess Actually, yesterday helped a bit to get a bit of my stress out. <laughs> You've got some uh, jitters. Uh, have you ever done a podcast before? Well, I'm doing a podcast, but not in an interview. I have never been interviewed by anyone. Oh, well, don't worry. Uh, yeah, I, it's, I was just looking at your astrology chart, which I'll get into, but you have a lot. You're a sun, moon, mercury, Aquarius in third house, natally. I mean, I'm a sun and moon. Gemini in 11th house and Raphael has North Node in Aquarius. This is all like jargon to you, but basically you're going to feel right at home. Like we're all just kind of weird kids. So, um, <laughs> so I think what we tend to do on these episodes um, is talk about the episode number and reduce it numerologically down uh, uh, basically to a major arcana card. In this case, Raphael said it was 254, which reduces to two which in this case would be the high priestess. Uh, and we haven't done a podcast in a hot minute. I've been going through weird stuff. So this is a good card to come back. In on. And I feel high priestess card is I offer up the mysteries of life. The high priestess is about trusting your intuition, listening to your inner guides, understanding yourself better, listening to the music of the universe and allowing creative ideas to germinate. Raphael, I don't know if you're still doing angel cards. It's been a hot minute, but what, what do you say? Yeah, well, we have to get through to all of them. There are 70 two in total so we're not but, done yeah but we're almost done and we got the angel number 68 for you in this case here we just go through one by one this is the angel of healing which helps preserve peace eliminates the power of evil and cures health problems influences agriculture breeding and fertility the affirmation is i am willing to honor my own needs and to those who know about tarot it's associated with the eight of cups Oh, now we can't hear you, Jim. You maybe muted oh. yourself. Oh, yeah, totally. I'm a Luddite, it seems. Between that um, High Priestess card and that Angel card, Christopher, was there anything that synchronized, resonated, popped out at you? Yeah, I'll be, uh, now I have to get that uh, in line. Because it also was quite a lot of information. I tried to take it in as much it as I could. It was an inundation. Yeah. It was... Certainly, something about creativity. This is the team and, rabbit hole shock and, uh, treatment at the very yeah, start, you know, everyone like, has to undergo this. Yeah, it's like deal with it. <laughs> um, no, but well, I guess I should say there's no wrong answer. So, if you feel like nothing resonated, okay. I wouldn't be offended. Yeah, I'd no. be like, all right, well, here's 
Yeah, me neither. Whatever. So, okay. uh, but the conch is yours. Let's feel free to speak about what. Yeah. No, what what resonated was because creativity is kind of what got me here out what I want, and then well, eventually I started having my own podcast and stuff, and wrote the book. So that was all my creative output. So I could contact people to say, hey, you know, I have something to offer. Uh, would you like to talk about it? And to grant myself, that. but also the about the healing because whew, this is really different experience now also to talk about this. Um, but general, it's really interesting to see myself talking. Yeah. Um, I, I hate it. <laughs> I hate when I see myself. I don't yeah, know what Fuck it, I'm staring at you or staring at other people. Yeah. But yeah, healing is like a big part of whatever I'm doing. And, uh, just getting rid of evil, right? I mean, whatever that looks like. Whether that's yourself or some spirit possession or however you want to put that. It's a part of what I've been doing the last couple of months. Hectic right? And yeah, somehow I'm sitting here now in <laughs> at all <laughs> and uh yeah it's interesting uh i'll just let you do this word, word. Otherwise, midwife just, you through uh, it yeah, yeah um so i mean the idea is uh at least as far in terms of the high priestess it's very like hidden truths coming to light i know uh it's eclipse season right now we had an eclipse maybe two even uh recently i think there's one more coming up december 4th or something um scorpio season just shifted over to sagittarius season i'm not sure how much you're into astrology and mysticism like that but i guess why i'm saying all this is the uh conditions of the Tao are pretty much about bursting through um right now i mean we're building a lot of momentum you can kind of see it in the global stage a lot of people kind of uh starting to stand up for their rights or say enough is enough um even the Ghislaine maxwell <laughs> thing is going on right now so there's a whole lot of ins and outs uh, that kind of corresponds with the high priestess. It seems like a lot of mysteries are kind of coming to light, um, even in terms of my own psychology. Uh, it's just like a lot of things, trauma, whatever, held back emotions. Um, I'm For the collective and personally, I'm processing lately, so I feel that. And uh, I, now that we've been talking so much, I forgot exactly what the angel card was, but it resonated with the Eight of Cups, I recall you saying, Raphael, which kind of is about 68. like... Um, yeah, yeah, which is like about like emotional options and feeling good about the future, I guess. So anyway, I'm rambling. Um this is kind of a funny situation. It's not bad. Uh, this happens sometimes on the podcast uh, because I should preface the podcast was never even my idea. Raphael at one point was like, let's do a podcast. It's like, sure, let's talk. Um, so I started kind of asking random cats that I knew online to come on or, you know, eventually kind of like what you're saying, like you wrote a book to ask people to come on a podcast. I would be like, oh, I have a podcast. Come on, Richard Rudd or whatever people I was like into. And it kind of worked out that like so far. Um but I have no clue who you are. <laughs> and basically, Raphael, a few days ago, was like, oh. yeah, yeah. No, this is a good thing, though. Um, Raphael, a few days ago, was like, hey, here's a PDF of a book, your book, uh, The Book of Evil. And he's like, skim it over. We're going to have this guy on. And I actually, I mean, I've been smoking weed my whole life, but I recently just quit again. Raphael knows I do this a lot. So I've been going through, like, you know, not eating, not sleeping, feeling shitty for a few days. So I haven't read the book, but I'm aware of, like I've read a little and I kind of want to get into that, but that's, I'm just wanted to preface up front. Like I, it, this is almost like a, um, not a drive by shooting. That's a little more violent sounding, but it's like, it's like you walked into the store randomly or whatever. So I'm like, all right, cool. Uh, so we don't have, we'll get to like where you're at about now and stuff, but I kind of want to get at least my head around who you are. Cause you did a good job of explaining your process, I guess a little in the preface 
or like, you know, about the author part of your book. Um, so I know you've studied in South Africa and all that kind of stuff, but I kind of want to, you know, get a, uh, better understanding maybe of who you are and I'll stop talking. Raphael, is there anything you want to add yeah, to that? We want to get into all of that, but of course we want to know Christopher, why now, which, which word am I using now? Why in the cosmos would you have reached out to us? Because for me, it was just funny that I, I saw like this, you know, podcast collaboration website. I don't even know how I got their invite. I have no clue or how I even saw it. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm just, gonna, that. I'm just gonna sign it, sign us up because why not? Who knows what happens? And someone actually wrote some kind of an interesting mm-hmm. other type of podcast. They were like, yeah, cool episode or something. I'm not sure exactly what they're referring to. And you're contact and i guess i only got back to you a few weeks later because i wasn't even really checking that profile or whatever and then i'm like you know i always follow synchronicity so i'm like you know i don't believe in coincidence um but still i'm very curious of course you know how you even found us on that website because there's like i guess thousands of podcasts or something and i don't even know how one would differentiate that or Mm -hmm. yeah so so let me know or how you stumbled across uh, why did you follow the white rabbit is what he's kind of getting at (laughs) This one, in <laughs> particular. So I should first answer why I contacted. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Like. He's interested in that, and then yeah. we'll get it on your biography. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, yeah. just curious. No, it's cool. The ways uh, of synchronicity, the ways of least resistance. Um, you know? Well, it has a lot to do with following my own heart and i did a lot of training and finding out what i want to do and how do i listen to my inner voice and how do i even i mean what am i even saying and who's even talking doesn't really matter but to just not question what i'm doing and i was already signed up on audrey before um and I figured I don't really like it. So I thought, yeah, you know what? Give it a chance again. And I just installed it again. I thought, you know what? Now, actually, you have your own podcast. You've written a book. So why don't you just engage people and just say, hey, this is... I have. I can talk about fear because I've studied fear a lot. I've reflected on fear for, for about a year. So I have confidence by creating my sort of own brand. But I also realized if I don't get myself out there and uh, actually work against that fear of, not being good enough and stuff it doesn't work and then some yeah i just looked through podcasts that looked like they could be similar to what i do maybe or just like relax people and well i just wrote to a couple of them and first that responded and i was really happy about that well there it is so um yeah that's interesting uh it has been a very big year of fear. I, I, I want to get into, I mean, I'm already like, all right, let's talk about fear, but I kind of want to know who you are before I, you know, ask about your presuppositions and stuff. Um, all right. So basically random internet happenstance, but that's not terribly surprising. Like I said, you have uh, sun and moon and Venus in Aquarius third house. So it's like you play online. I mean, you're, you're maybe a gamer, <laughs> you, internet chat groups, podcasts, not, not alien to you probably. So maybe you're trying it from a different angle this time. Maybe you've listened to a lot of podcasts or whatever. And now you're like, I can do that. Or you've read a lot of books. You're like, I can do that. But you're here to definitely disseminate and uh, play with information. So don't feel bad about that. And never, yeah, it seems like your attitude is good in the sense that like, um, there's no dumb questions kind of thing. It's just like, yeah, ask. Uh, we've yeah. had so many podcasts right, that like, it's like, we've had QAnon people. We've had famous 
you know, authors on like uh, who, the guy who wrote the Jinkies books. I like a lot. And some other people we've had just random people like you, like, I mean, you're not that you're random to me, but you see what I'm saying. So in a sense, pretty like, random. I guess you're very random. You're on the wave of uh, your astrology chart in the sense that you're being true to yourself. So don't, yeah, you're right where you need to be, I guess in that sense. Um, all right. So let's pull back Christopher. Like, you know, where did you grow up? I know you're international. Um, you know, studied in, I think, the Netherlands and South Africa. I want to get to that. But what kind of culture are you growing up in? Um, you know, how did you feel growing up? Were you into magic? Did you, you know, are you a net, you know, material reductionist? Like, how, how are you processing reality? But, you know, like any good story, I guess, start, you know, call me Ishmael or whatever. So you can just tell us however you want us to approach you. And I'll, we'll just pepper you with questions as we go along. Cool. Whew. Yeah. yeah, no, it sounds way intense. Just, just sit on the roller coaster. It's going. All right. Well, buckle up. <laughs> uh, well, where to start? Well, you asked first about where I come from, so it's probably good to place me with the people that shaped my life or something. Well, where I grew up, Lüdenscheid, uh, it's in Germany. It's like thousand inhabitants it's not village a city but with a village mentality so anybody who sticks out is kind of weird and uh, apparently i stuck out as a child because in second grade they told me if i don't learn to behave uh, i will be sent to a school for special children so basically they marked me as re retard and uh, i don't know that had a really huge impact on my life yeah, when you're not, seven years old and somebody's <laughs> like, okay, I'm weird. Uh, I don't fit in. Uh, yeah, second grade. Yeah, seven years old. And they said, oh if, if I don't learn to behave, they sent me to yeah, special school for children. That was just really shit because I didn't want to lose all my friends. So I just started to be really shy. I was, I didn't know how to behave. And yeah, that's actually... Is there much to tell about roughly my childhood? I just, I see my childhood often as quite dark, actually. It's, I tried to fight it for a while, but I just started to accept it because I couldn't, I could never be myself as a child. I was always afraid to step on somebody's toes or do something wrong. And With I all started that, to. Uh, you're an alien, Sorry. basically. Just think you're, you're basically an alien. I mean, you kind of pop. Okay. Yes, you're born in Germany, but you're probably not that German. I mean, sure, you're German, but it's like you probably, like you're, like what you're saying, you, you've always been different <laughs> or whatever. So it's like, yeah. I'm not saying you're like, you know, from Antares or something, but it's, I'm like, yo, your, your story based off your natal chart, which I don't know if you even know if you believe in astrology is saying that you're going to have a story that involves yeah. a lot of, um, pioneering ideas, pioneering kind of spirit. And that isn't always met, you know, John the Baptist, that didn't end well for him or, you know, it's, you know it doesn't have to end poorly, <laughs> but it's like revolutionaries. Yeah. It can like Nikola Tesla wasn't, you know, he, he ended up being kind of ostracized at the end of his life. So you'll probably have that kind of vibe. Anyway, I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm just like, Oh yeah. Alienation's a big theme for you for sure. So don't catch me don't off with that. Yeah. No, I like to have also put in between. <laughs> yeah. It's nice. I have never seen myself as an alien, but I guess I feel like that also. Yeah, like you say, I mean, just being different, right? And most people don't do and in a society where everybody's supposed to be the same. And uh, that's what's kind of my struggle most of my life. 
And uh, I can just say at the age of 19 or 20, something like this, I had this random decision. I, for most of my life, I feel like I didn't know what I was, did something. And I had the feeling I wanted to study environmental protection. And I always felt mediocre and like everybody else, but this was this first thing where I said, you know, I'm going to do a completely different and just go and study environmental protection. Why? Most of my studies, I just chilled and, you know, late frisbee and stuff, but I graduated and then stuff just happened. And I went to South Africa and studied there, did a master degree. But even then I thought, you know, I mean, I'm you're just rushing through it, I'm but just, you're, you're, you're yeah. um, your first degree was about the, uh, I don't think it was the Iberian lynx, but it was about a lynx, right? You were doing like yeah, studies on an Yeah, yeah. Those are really like, I mean, they're not, uh, how would I put it? They're aloof animals too. I mean, I think there's various like degrees of that, but I'm pretty sure they're, I mean, they're not like, you know, um, geese or rats or something. There's not, they're not that common, right? I mean, the lynx is pretty hidden up in the mountains or yeah. a forest and doing its thing. Once again, I'm not saying it's exactly who you are, but it's like, that's an animal that resonates with you. It's not surprising that you're kind of like, oh, I want to find out some mysterious things about a mysterious animal. Um, but I thought that was, I mean, I was reading right. that book and it's like, oh, it's environmental science, but it had actually, it wasn't just like fungus or, you know, biomes or something like you were getting particular into a, a very specific niche of um, animal life. Like the lynx, your your Asian lynx. Yeah. So, I mean, if you want to tell us a little about lynxes, you can. Don't just brush over it. You're like, yeah, I went to school and then I went to – because South Africa doesn't have those (laughs) lynxes. I'm kind of curious how the shift of the gears happened. You're like, lynxes are cool. And then you're like, all right, no more lynxes, I guess, for now. (laughs) Or whatever. How'd that work? Yeah. um, So, first of all, how do I even get to study the links because again i didn't know what i was doing but apparently i did i don't know later on it just kind of clicked but at the moment i just felt like yeah well maybe let's go to the bavarian forest as the bavarian forest national park and i just contacted them and i said yeah you have a project on links they did a five-year study on links where they uh, put gps collars on them on i think it was 10 links and links and also roe deer and red deer whereas roe deer is the the main prey and they were all colored and monitored for five years and i was then going there as a student to write my thesis only on the data that was collected in five years i was looking at a couple of million rows of gps data which was every five minute value so a high value would say there was high activity and a low value would then say low activity and my job was to compare whether the lynx adapts his activity to that of his prey so that he follows them to be able to catch them. And uh, well, I also worked a lot with photo traps, um, but I didn't have actually direct contact with the lynx. But I really enjoy also working on a computer. I like scripting um, this kind of uh, HTML language and stuff. I like scripting. And uh, I realized... Yeah, that was actually the first thing I also discovered that I was really good at R, this uh, programming software R, which, which I really got into and I could just do it for hours. And You know, the um, in did... the Matrix movies, the uh, I mean, uh, it's funny that I'm bringing up the Matrix white rabbits, all this shit. I don't normally like drop that heavy handed evolutions to rabbit holes and Matrix stuff. But in the Matrix movie, um, the operators, that's basically who you are. I mean, we're talking about third house Aquarius energy. It's like you have fun on Reddit. Like, I mean, you will program a video game to go, you know, play space shooters and stuff. It's just funny hearing you say that because it's like, of course, it's right there on your chart. Um, so, yeah, I didn't mean to cut you off. But it's like, yes, you do have a no, lot of fun. Program- 
you can say that. <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure if you consider yourself a programmer, like, you know, doing Ruby or like, uh, whatever, but, um, fiddling yeah. around and yeah. Tinkering, engineering. Solving problems. I like exactly. You're a mad scientist. It's really like, a, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <Exactly>. really. <laughs> mad scientist. I get that input from you because I don't see myself that way ever. Um, but yeah, it's nice to see myself as Look a mad scientist. And, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're studying links. And the, I mean, even just, I mean, I can't speak. Raphael might be able to talk about it in a Basharian sense of following your highest excitement but it's like i mean not many people these days are like hey i'm just gonna walk in the woods and hansel and gretel figure out my like major or whatever <laughs> i mean you went to the black forest basically right and found the links so uh, i mean i don't know if you've done much you've clearly done a lot of research on the links and i want to hear about these like data points and stuff i didn't mean to, just when you were talking about like all this data entry and all this stuff it's like this is what Cool. You would enjoy being at a call center or an operator in the matrix. Like you don't even have to, like you would love to plug into the matrix in the movie, but you'd also like being the operator. Uh, like I forget the guy's name, diesel or whatever. Anywho. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Talk about uh, where you were data points and showing it's, I guess, um, behavior. Um, basically you're doing Orwellian yeah. shit on the links. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just analyzed, I didn't, I didn't engage with the links only in these kind of Zeus they have there to show tourists, you know, the links looks like. Uh, you're probably never going to see him, but if you see one, that's how, <laughs> this is how it might look like. And uh, so I was just looking at data, but that was perfectly fine for me. I just, uh, a lot of data, like a lot so of like data. Movie, it's like well, you see fun. ones and zeros, I see reds and blondes. It's like you see like highest numbers and low numbers. Yeah. I see uh, yeah. feeding grounds, migratory patterns and all that. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I really enjoyed that. But I also realized, I started to realize that I'm not really into science as such, but I didn't really understand yet why, and maybe that's why I needed to also continue do more science stuff to realize actually I'm not into science, at least not in that sense, because I don't like the business side of how they say we're going to save the animals, but in the end they're just producing ten make money, and they actually don't give a shit about animals as such. It's just about well, about through how much turmoil do we put links in order to collect its data? It has to be like sanitized, and then you put a collar around, and then it has to walk around five years with a stupid collar around. And uh, like, does it really help the links? I don't know. Do I really have to? Yeah. Doors box, right? We got to know what the links is doing. You got to tag the links. It's tricky. I mean, may, I mean, I don't know. Maybe there's gonna be. I, this gets or really dark fast. We're like, oh, we could just give it like gray goo and it'll eat it and it'll have nanobots in it and it doesn't even notice it. Um, but that's kind of fucked up. What, yeah, Raphael? Christopher, you just got the preview, you know, of how some people see humans, you know, so do the same experiments. Yeah. You were training the handlers how to handle us, Christopher. Yeah, exactly. Well, I didn't like potentially, that. <laughs> you know, you know, I'm sure you can transfer a lot of that technology you use for animals and transfer to humans. I actually think that's being heavily done, you know, by some. But yeah. of course, it's a really dark topic. But then again, I mean, your book is the book of fear. So I guess, you know. <laughs> we'll tap into fear. We'll get there. All right. So I, and one last thing. I mean, I'm not necessarily going, but I've gotten accepted into an undergraduate program for music in Denver. And I keep deferring because they wanted me to take the jab and I don't really want to. Um the mascots a lynx so we have that symbology and oh, nice commonality i may never even like step foot or have an alma mater there but um my brother goes there so he's a lynx anyway um so yeah you graduate you're like fuck this isn't quite what i thought it was it was interesting and all 
Um, and I guess then you dip to South Africa. How did you hear about that program? Um, culture shock. I mean, I'm guessing it's not Europe. I've seen Chappie. It's like, holy shit. No. <laughs> um, well, first of all, I wasn't at that point yet where I thought, well, it isn't really it. I still have, don't know what I'm doing. But during my studies in environmental protection, I met uh, my girlfriend. She was Dutch and her university was doing a lot of exchange programs so she was involved a bit already in South Africa I visited her once and then we were planning to move there together and do a master's degree and I wanted to do it on vervet monkeys and she on giraffes but as it turned out we broke up before and I had all my visas sorted out and I was about to leave that was in 2016 and uh, yeah I decided to go anyway and I was glad it happened that way because I also realized I would have never gone if it weren't for her. If it weren't for her, I would have never gone because I wouldn't have had the courage. But because I thought we were doing it together, I just like, okay, I'm going to, you know, make it happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah I exactly. got to study, buddy. This is a little easier. Well, same thing with the podcast. Yeah. You know, I would never podcast if Raphael hadn't been like, let's do this. So I hear you. Sometimes you need people to catalyze you into the next form of yourself. I mean, that's part of the game, I guess, of life. Uh, you can, it's weird because it's a paradox. It's it's all you in a sense, like you got to do it, but then the catalyzers outside of yourself, like those are required. I mean, a weird example would be like, I mean, I don't know if you're religious or whatever, but like Jesus wasn't going to get crucified if Judas didn't betray him. <laughs> so somebody's got to pull the trigger. Yeah. So it's like, you know, like that kind of thing. So um, yeah, whether the relationship ended up lasting or not, it was a catalyst clearly for uh, future trajectories. So you ended up staying in South Africa I, I like a Chappie in District Nine. I think those are the only things I've ever seen. And actually, my octopus teacher on Netflix is in uh, oh, South yes. Africa. Um, but those cool. are very different looking. Oh, it's amazing! It's one of my favorite movies. I actually just recommended it to my nana last night. She's like eighty two, and she texted me. And she's like, "Oh my god, that was so good! Thank you." It's like I don't fuck around with culture. I know. <laughs> um, so anyway, tell us about South Africa. Uh, like, was like, were you on a university and it was pretty safe? Or I mean, what's up with that? Well. Um, I studied a master's degree in wildlife at the University of the Free State, which is in Bloemfontein, um, which is also in the Burestad, which is where most of the white people do their agriculture. So you have a lot of rich people. But I was actually staying very much in the north of South Africa, which was in the Limpopo province, close to Botswana. And it was a small game reserve with also a river. So you had crocodiles and you had giraffes. So South Africa had all these, they, they don't have free roaming wild animals like in Tanzania. They have not really fences. And so everything is fenced in. And uh, so it's like a pri private game reserve. And then they buy animals that they would like to have there. But they're still wild. So you also have leopards that come through. They're not fenced in. I can leave, but then you have all these antelopes. And I was researching monkeys, and it was a student camp, so you had all kinds of uh, international students, well, mostly women, how these things go. And uh, yeah, I just a lot of research. But actually, it was just actually, that's where I discovered weeds. That was actually quite weird. Never really smoked, I was just marijuana? drinking alcohol. Yeah, yeah marijuana, cannabis, yeah. Mary Jane. <laughs> There you go. There you go. Yeah. Um, no, I'm, I'm, I mean, I don't partake right now. Raphael's probably toking as we speak. Um, but I'm all about it. I'm never going to say it's like a bad thing. So you, you just, you drink, I mean, clearly you're German. <laughs> so it's like you drink beer. Um, 
what were your thoughts? Jesus Christ, I can't imagine getting stoned for the first time in the bush of Africa. Like, what the fuck? How'd that feel? Like, were you like, I'm in Lion King? What the hell? <laughs> well, it was, uh, well, we ate it, and it was a huge dosage, and I had such feelings of slow motion, and it was just a great time, actually. I really enjoyed it, especially if you're in the bush. There's nothing that really distorts you. And I always, that's something I remember about myself that maybe I, my courage is something. But I was kind of scaredy cat and, you know, like a weakling and not good for anything. And then Africa, I could step out of myself. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, shit. Like I'm, I'm a wild man. <laughs> yeah. It's like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. Were you and, running around uh, naked all the time, or like was it pretty civilized? Like, how free well, did you feel? <laughs> um, well, I definitely didn't wear a shirt most of the time, but I did wear trousers. Um, I mean, it's just how how can I describe it? So you have like this savanna, savanna type of bush. So you have trees which are maybe like five six meters high. And then you have a lot of thorns and everything wants to scratch you and of course you have venomous snakes like the black mamba is one of them and four meter crocodiles and four and a half meter pythons and, and uh, scorpions that come out of your like sink <laughs> in the middle of the night and have uh, hot water through gas and an open kitchen um, which is kind of nasty in uh, rain season because all the insects are gonna come and uh, you'll be eaten by mosquitoes but so most of my life was just outside, and we slept in these little bungalows, which, which heated up terribly. So the nights were in summer, thirty-three degrees, and you're just sweating away. But you know, but there's also these, you know, all these animals. There's like a an antelope eating next to your window, and you wake up, and sometimes there's a giraffe walking around. And I mean, imagine you smoke in that kind of environment; it's just heaven on earth, and you just think, nice. And that's how I really. This was like your private nature documentary, and that's how I learned to discover weed, and it really shaped the way I also um, used it later on, like more really as something to heal with, something to observe, and that's what I learned through nature observation, through science, to observe animals and to just uh, really go in there and uh, apply that myself and stuff. I'm drifting off. <laughs> that's the whole point we just kind of ramble um so you ate that's funny that you ate cannabis that's pretty intense i mean it does i think it's tetrahydrocannabinol like delta or something like that it does a little different kind of a metabolism metabolizing than smoking so it's more intense in a sense like you probably tripped more than like you know being stoned per se um yeah i mean edibles have always I do a lot of psychedelics now, so it's not that jarring. But when I hadn't ever done like mushrooms or acid and I ate a bunch of pot food, it was very surreal. Um, yeah. I, did you feel, I mean, how, how would I put this? Did you feel you were shedding layers of unnecessary and kind of superfluous culture? And like, like you're like, man, like modern German life is so stupid. I need to like be, yes, it's inconvenient to be sweating this much or whatever, but it's like more in line with how I feel. It should be like, how did you feel in terms of, like, did you feel more connected to your ancestors of humanity or like, how did you feel about just the whole situation? Kind of the more naturalist angle. Well, nothing of that at all. I was completely unaware of what it actually was doing to me until I was about to leave South Africa. And that's actually the crazy, which 
started this whole kind of whoosh now you can go and do shit but uh yeah so something i have to say because in south africa i covered my kind of well there were women and i was always kind of shy but now it was a new environment so i could also test myself out you know nobody else and just like okay how do i actually you know know do i work with women and i build up a lot of christopher became a king of the king of the savannah yeah but this is what happened but i also yeah became heavily traumatized because i went into relationship after relationship and then you know women went i was never like having several at once or something but you know you get to know somebody for three months and then they go again and then you get to know somebody and they go again so your heart breaks every time it's like shit and in the end you're like i don't feel anything anymore but that's apparently part of the healing process right to break your heart until you're able to love enough <laughs> something like this and uh well in the end i i stayed with study in port elizabeth and we smoked weed and he was a south african so we were sitting there and this is like one of the most crazy moments of my life it feels like because suddenly i just started to ask questions and how that started was we were just smoking and he asked me that random question hey do you believe the earth is round <laughs> I said, yeah i guess and then he started to that's a good Sorry, question yeah. <laughs> yeah and even asked that question and he said yes well what do you think and he started sharing his belief of that the flat and while he was talking, I was like, what the hell? Like, if that is true, everything I ever believed is a lie. And I was completely open to this king to suddenly start asking. I've never, I never really asked questions in my life. Until that point, I just like, bam, like a whole world opened up. Just this one question. And it changed my whole life. And my Hashtag friends said what was happening. My family, like, Go fuck you up, I guess. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, that's think I about this question, too. I said, uh, yeah. Sorry. You never, no, I'm, I didn't mean to interrupt you. It's like um, when, because I'm not a flat earther at all right now, but we've had a bunch of flat earthers on, and it's something that I've never thought, and it's one of those kind of stoned tripping thoughts. I think I thought about it when I was on acid once a little more, and I was like, I'll give it one percent credulity. It's like, yeah, the UN flag is like that. What the fuck? But the point is, I can't imagine being introduced to that theory in that state. Uh, but you went with the flow. Um, that's a good way to be. I mean, uh, yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> You, I mean, I know you don't consider yourself a scientist, like a hard scientist, but obviously with so much Aquarian stuff and being an environmental major, like how did you see his reasoning? Did you find it faulty? Did you see just, like... As we're still and, on the topic yeah. and a side note, I'm just because I want to try the functionality, bear with me. I want to play a, let's see, three minute video regarding the topic, if that's okay with you. Mm -hmm. Sure. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. yeah, go ahead. All right. Let's see if this works properly now. Okay, you guys remember how I showed you the maps that were here on Earth before 1958, before the governments took them out, and I'm going to show you the Encyclopedia Britannica's in the public libraries before 1958. Here's volume two out of the alphabet A. And we're going to flip to the Antarctica, which, and this is from 1958, as you can see. Now, we're going to flip to the Antarctica and see what the Encyclopedia Britannica from 1958 before the Antarctic Treaty says is there. 
Now you won't find this in the new encyclopedias because the government's banned them. But what I want you to notice right here is notice how it says the flights proved inland areas to be featureless in character with a dome 13,000 feet high at about latitude 80 degrees south longitude 90 degrees east take a really really close look at that now I'm going to zoom it in for you when they returned to New Zealand these flights proved the inland areas to be features of the character with a dome 13,000 feet high at about latitude 80 degrees south longitude 90 degrees east now if this doesn't make sense to you let me show you with an image of what a flat earth map would look like now this is what latitude 80 degrees south would look like on a flat earth map as you can see the dome comes down closer to you over the wall which would be about 13,000 feet now if you go back out into the center of the earth or up the north pole and try to go up to the firmament with a little bit of calculation it's going to show that it's about 385,500 feet away it's really really simple folks now if you're not familiar with any of this at all at all and you're just now new to the, all this you could say, well, this guy is crazy. He doesn't know what he's talking about. But what, but what you got to ask yourself is, why do all the maps before 1958 show a flat earth with the ice wall around it and a firmament, a dome? And why does the encyclopedia tell you that there's a dome there and it gives you the exact height at a certain latitude and longitude? Well, the reason is, is because in 1958, that's when all governments... And all nations of the world signed the UN treaty to ban all civilians from going to the Antarctica. And NASA came in and erased everything just like they're erasing everything today. So again, ask yourself, if all this existed before 1958, why doesn't it exist now? How come it all of a sudden was erased and just disappeared out of your history books, out of your encyclopedias, out of your libraries? Wake up, people. Wake up. I will only say this because it's going to bug me if I don't say it. He kept on being like, Encyclopedia Britannica, and it said Encyclopedia Americana. <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> it didn't say Britannica, it said Americana. Oh, that's uh, true. Yeah. So I was like, well, that's man. the kind of stuff that makes me be like, what the fuck? How do I know what to believe? <laughs> it's like he's he's misquoting himself. Anyway, um, yeah, I'm not a flat earther right now particularly, but it's one of those fantasies where I'm like. It just know, blows I'm your mind, to... right? Yeah, I mean, potentially. Mind. It's like if yeah. that's. The, it's one of those rabbit holes, ironically, where it's like I don't know how to approach it because it's almost like a dilation of perspective. Perspective where if I were to believe it, uh, it changes quite a bit about everything. I mean, you know, basically we're just caged animals I mean, being observed. All I want to know is like, what are we gonna say now? Even if I'm, you know, don't know any details about anything, but this is like, you know, a well recognized, as you said correctly, Americana encyclopedia, and. Uh, yeah, I mean, what about this, you know? And especially for a Christian, and I'm not really attached to anything, but especially even with a Christian uh, understanding, the way I understand it, and all the old pictures of any indigenous cultures, they're certainly not showing me the same thing as NASA is showing me. And since I'm well past the idea that we are now living in the most enlightened and progressed consensus world you ever, you know? Well, 
everyone can do their own research or come to their own conclusions, you know? Yeah, it's like, it's one thing I'm not going to put, I mean, it's like, I, I won't be pleasantly surprised if it's true. It kind of fucks your head up if it's true because we're being lied to at such high degrees. But at the same time, it's like whatever what, what's to be will be is kind of where I'm at on that. I guess the thing that fucks with I mean, the, the only time I ever really did any research, I watched uh, my fiance and I, Haley, watched a video and it was talking about this stuff and about like electric discharges, like cyclical discharges causing basically cataclysms that reset like kind of almost at a Bach tune level, um, which seemed to make sense to me at the time. So I was like, I could see that being plausible, I guess is the best way to put it, not like true or false. I can't verify these things personally, but it's plausible, sure. And then I guess what Raphael is alluding to is there's a whole lot of uh, Old Testament language talking about like firmaments and, you know, kind of uh, details that defend a plat- at least the plausibility of a flat earth perspective. But I myself don't ascribe to that or subscribe to that right now, though I guess I'm open to the degree where it's like, I mean, I could be a fucking frog in a machine dreaming that I'm a human or whatever. You know, it's like, who knows, right? So um, anyway, if you want to talk about Flat Earth, you can. If you don't, that's cool. Uh, after but, this yeah. intermission, we definitely want to know at least how you reacted, Christopher. So back to the initial <laughs> question after my, you know, interplay. Um, so how yeah, did you, did you, your mind? <laughs> how did you react or how, I don't know. Because these are aside, and this is the funny part for me at least, because it's not necessarily even about a detail or a specific aspect of a worldview but for me it's very much about the general willingness to engage in differing perspectives and not just you know upfront judge them deem them as crazy because i usually found that's where you really have to look especially with all those things where they claim everyone knows about this we don't even need to discuss it i have enough footage of admiral bird talking about it where it's like what is going on here because it doesn't it doesn't feel seem to fit like you have a high-ranking official American explorer who's respected in everything, Admiral Byrd, and he's like saying things. I don't think he talked about an ice wall, but he's like, it's not what we think it is. You can go in. It's hot. I think he even alluded to it being hollow potentially, um, and then that's kind of like written off. So um, it reminds me of the Rage Against the Machine music video Testify, where it's like if you control the present, you control the past. If you control the past, you control the future. So it's just a matter of manipulating perceptions. I mean, this is obvious, but it's like we're going to create a cage around you that you can't taste, touch or feel. And you're going to be a fucking subject of a culture or world that, you know, goes on. That's very dire and dystopian. I think it's happening whether we want to think about it or not. Like money is like Babylonian money magic. I, we're engrossed in so many systems that are so weird and deep and occulted and esoteric. It's not surprising. The high priestess is coming up. It's like, there's a lot of secrets out there that we have no fucking clue about. And then just because, you know, Alex Trebek or it's not on Wikipedia or something, it's like, uh, it still might be true. I digress. Uh, Christopher, yeah, anything you want to say about Flat Earth or not, it's up to you. <laughs> well, just for the record, I'm not one. I can't really... <laughs> no. Yeah, just to wrap this up, because it, I actually like that Raphael put the video on again, because it kind of created that feeling again in me. It's like, what the heck is true now? And uh, yeah, just this John, confusion no. and am I going nuts? And then you talk to people about it and they're like, what? I mean, the earth is round. Everybody knows that. Yeah, but do you know it? Like, have you ever gone and checked? And that was what oh, brought exactly. it in me. Just yeah, scientific struggling. method, no? Yes. What do you think about that? Experimentation, scientific method, yeah. you know? Simple yeah. stuff, you know? But but go ahead. The point ahead. was in the end, I, I, I actually don't care. She don't care. That's what I said to myself i don't give a shit i don't give a shit for me the earth is always flat because i can't see that far that i actually see that it's round so i don't actually give a shit because every time i look it looks kind of flat to me but i can only look 100 meters something so 
I just said, for my life, you know, if it's flat or round, it doesn't actually matter. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, the guy, I presume was a guy showing you this theory. I mean, he's a, he's studying, researching, probably in a doctoral program or master's program like you were. Did that surprise you that he was even like bringing this kind of shit up? I mean, clearly that's not like normal discourse, probably in a scientific well, group. <laughs> I mean, I always, yeah, I could open up to really random things. Somebody would tell me something I would, could just believe it. And, uh, I guess all this heartbreaking probably opened me up in a way that I didn't even understand. And then suddenly this you know, question comes like, what? Yeah. And then all kinds of other crazy stuff happened which is continuously happening and doesn't really stop, but just gets easier to deal with. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's what happens. The, uh, the Dave Chappelle comedy half baked, but there's a scene with John Stewart, uh, the comedian in there. And he's like, have you ever seen the $20 bill? Like an American $20 bill. Have you ever seen it on weed? And it's kind of this like, you know, adjective highlighting thing. It's like, have you ever, <laughs> that's what I was thinking. It's like, have you ever been in the bush? Thinking about heavy shit. Have you? Oh, I see a muskrat running across ice right now. Sorry, that was weird. It's <laughs> like, what the heck is that? Um, uh, have you ever seen a? Fl- have you ever heard a flatter theory on weed? That's kind of how it seems like your little trip went down. Yeah. So um, we don't have to hang up on that. So clearly, you were um, introduced to new ideas. You're getting your heart open and broken. You were kind of hitting pockets of maturity. I dare I say, it's funny because astrologically speaking, you were saying that was like when you were like um, maybe in your early twenties, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, early two. Um, and, that was maybe when I was 27. Okay, right. Yeah. 28 to 32 is called your Saturn return. That's basically a midlife crisis. So Saturn is about time, order, structure. And it's like Saturn comes in and is like, are you doing the work? Like, it seems like that's the time when people get their butts kicked into gear. So it doesn't surprise me that you were kind of like, oh, I'm finding confidence. Maybe I've been afraid of the wrong things. So you left South Africa. Um, what happened next? Um, well, and I just want to point out, you said you didn't appreciate it. Okay. You said you were leaving South Africa and that's one of the penny dropped that you were like, Oh shit. I I'm thinking about South Africa, like uh, essay in a very particular way. Like in reference to what I was saying earlier, like, were you like, Oh shit, I'm a modern man in a modern world. I fucked up like at the end of the trip. Like you didn't feel that on the, in this bush, but like by the time you got replugged into the system, like you're like, Whoa, this is so weird. Not at all. You were okay with civil, uh, you know, modern life i guess um oh yeah no that was pretty weird but also i brought back a lot of fear from south africa because south africa has a lot of criminality and if you grow up in if you would have grown up in the village i grew up then you would feel pretty safe uh you know running naked at night you know nothing can actually harm you um and south africa well i had this one incident where people try to mug me with a knife. Actually, nothing happened, but somebody held a knife in my face and said, give me your money. And I just stood there and said, ah, I have nothing. And I just I just arrived. And it was actually just kids, you know. They were seeing me like a stupid tourist walking around foot packed with all kinds of heavy stuff. And then a man came and he like took the money they had from me and they just ran off. And then I was just, yeah, stranded there in the middle of a street. But luckily I had some couch that I contacted before already so I could call them and like they directed me to their home but it was also something that I brought back I had a lot of fear being in cities afterwards that's why I was safe at the at the, the nature reserve, reserve. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but whenever we were dealing with other people like in cities i felt quite afraid so yeah i mean what happened i came back and i had a lot of depression and was also introduced by a friend to magic truffles and uh, that also kind of get me got me going on my psychedelic it uh, was to discover myself and like realize there's actually healing you can do in yourself which was kind of weird um but yeah they really blew my mind several like? times yeah i mean one but, i i don't know yeah to, like did you eat a lot like it seemed like the pot food was kind of like a jumping in the deep end event did like you said truffles we, yeah it was really like uh he was very gentle, you can say. He was very gentle in terms of... Because he guided me through it, right? And I really see it a bit like a spiritual, psychedelic deflowering. So, you know, the movies that were like candles. It was like a hot summer day, 30 degrees. We had a whole house to ourselves. And then we just... We had like a package of truffles, which was 15 grams. So we ate first the first half, and he explained me a bit, you know, how that would be with my stomach and stuff. You know, you might feel a bit of nausea. We're not going to eat. You can drink water. That's cool. And then we just, I could just experience myself, and we would outside and everything, because I wear glasses, but whenever I take psychedelics, I just see crystal crystal clear. And that was what, which really stunned me that I was seeing everything so sharp and in detail, which I can never do without psychedelics i have the feeling so that was a really good start for me that didn't traumatize me but encouraged me to yeah also try it for myself alone afterwards um yeah which i then started doing i did one mushroom trip on my own where i discovered the concept of oneness by eating it all although he told me don't eat but i had the feeling i really wanted to eat an apple and i was like eating the apple and then holy shit when i eat the apple and i you know, shit out this. I don't want to use the word shit too much, but I uh, put out the seed, and the tree will grow from it. I eat the apple again, and I sound like, whoa, we're all connected. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I just going and then suddenly started meeting people, probably law of attraction or something. This one guy, a Moroccan guy, he was 10 years older and told me about Rupert Sheldrake. and we smoked a bit of weed, and I got home. He's and actually I been on the podcast. To I don't yeah. know if you know that or not. Okay. Just for the record, I was like, oh, Rupert. Yeah, we talked to him. Um, yeah. Cool. So he's an interesting yeah. guy. Keep going, because he's all about Terrence McKenna, and he's his friend. Um, but that's an interesting... Did you know who Terrence McKenna was before you knew about Rupert? Mm, no. Do you know who Terrence McKenna is now? <laughs> I should ask. Yeah, of course. Oh, okay, no. Okay, I okay. first I got like, to know Rupert Sheldrake. Okay, cool. He was Go on. the first... Yeah, and his first episode was about how atheism or sons as a belief system. And I was an atheist until that point, until 2019 in pretty much May. I was a atheist. You could have said nothing to convince me otherwise. And I listened to that episode and he says, well, atheism is just a system of belief and I couldn't be an atheist anymore. Like... I realized, shit, I can't be an atheist anymore. So, But I also couldn't just believe in God, right? I couldn't believe in all this right. spiritual stuff. He gets into like the dogmatics of a, uh, scientism is kind of what he's talking about. So I don't know if he was specifically in that episode that you heard talking about atheism as such. But yeah, belief structures and all that. Um, it's always good to not 
presuppose we know everything, I guess, but we all have proclivities. So I yeah. think everybody has phases or whatever. Rafael, did you want to say something? No, just to get, get the reference straight, but yeah, I could well imagine him talking about atheism. Um, I mean, even here, of course, I may pick the wrong guy now. I believe it was Planck, maybe, or so, so one of those famous quantum physicists had a quote along the lines of, if you drink the first sip out of the glass, let's say, of science or whatever, you'll be an atheist or something. But at the bottom of the glass, God stares right in your face, you know? And uh, <laughs> nice. I mean, and to me, at least so far, and I'm always wondering about this, but I'm, I'm always thinking if people really are willing to look closely enough, also with a very like true scientific method, where by the way, I recently read again, apparently only about 5% of scientific papers actually properly follow the scientific method, so much for all of published science, you know. Um, but if you were just go through that and with things like, you know, observer effect in quantum science, like stuff that is well, you know, rounded out and you, you would collate all these ideas, it's obvious at the very least there is something along the lines of an ether and so on. And to try to deliberately ignore that brings with it about not only an insufficient model of reality, but in my view, honestly, also all kinds of psychosis. At least by now you can really tell if someone is like a strong atheist or whatever, um, it's, it's, it's not so healthy. And it doesn't mean that one needs to no. believe in a, sky, in a God in the sky or something, but some idea of a transcendent energy, which I would even say actually is your own anyhow. So it's, you know, you don't have to- It tends to lead it. towards empathy or something if you're able yeah. to get in that spot more, as opposed to being like, you're just a piece of meat and if I fuck you over, whatever. Uh, there's no consequences yeah. or whatever. Yeah, I'll, I mean, I'm a Christian, but I know it's more agnostic. I could never be an atheist person. But anyway, um, so you ate a bunch of mushrooms and started thinking about heavy things. Um, what, okay, let me put it this way. Like, did you have bad trips at all? I mean, mushrooms are funny because like you were talking about coming up and like the come up. I hate feeling cold. Uh, there's a fish song called Tweezer. <laughs> This band jam band called Fish, and it's like, won't you step into the freezer? It's like it feels like that when you start coming on mushrooms, like or psychedelics in general, but mushrooms for sure. Like all of a sudden, my appendages are cold, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm yawning. Um, what were some of the? Uh, given that you had never eaten them before, were you surprised by the effects? Did you enjoy it all? I mean, did you find different strains of truffle? Like, were you just doing one strain of truffle, or were you experimenting? How'd that work? Well. After that second mushroom trip that showed me oneness, I started to visit ayahuasca ceremonies with the Santo Diamond Church. I did about three of that, and then I discovered uh, two shamans, if you can call them like that, uh, that did something to ayahuasca. So ayahuasca is yeah, uh, South America, and this was not Africa, which has been traced back to Jesus, actually. So this thing he wears on top of his head, the thorn crown is uh, supposed to be actually a plant containing DMT. Is it so acacia? there's an no, yeah, it's an acacia, yeah. Okay, cool, yeah. And it has a pretty high content oh, of DMT, know. and uh, yeah. yeah, that's what they thought the whole then, uh, burning bush was, right? They're like, oh shit, this stuff. Yeah, is like, exactly. And actually, quite crazy because I met this guy, and he does these ceremonies with uh, that kind of stuff, and he dug a lot into that history that nobody talks about, and. Uh, uh, well, how the church then came 
came and told everybody, you know, it's all that you should drink. It's the blood of Christ. But while the blood of Christ actually was this ayahuasca type of drink that really enlightens you and uh, brings out your demons or your, you know, everything you don't want to have. And uh, that was quite interesting to get that kind of perspective. And, uh, well, that kickstarted healing journey. And But you asked about Ben. I have to say, I went through a lot of heavy shit. And even, yeah, in the forest at night, I sometimes went out at night truffles on my own. And I never really can say I had ever a bad trip. Because I always found a way to learn from it and then just progress. I just took what I saw and then I learned and I just moved forward. And sometimes, yes, of course, it scared the shit out of me and I didn't know how to. But I always processed it and then I went in there again and just did it again. So if I have had a heavy trip, I knew I have to do it again. I have to do it again to face that fear. Otherwise, it will always be there and hold me back. How do you oh, look at the um, evolutionary necessity of fear? I'm going to start going off on that stuff. I haven't done ayahuasca yet because I'm afraid, ironically, a little. I mean, I've smoked DMT and had some pretty intense experiences. Um, but it, like, I when I was reading the first chapter of your book, it seemed... Well, we can get to the book in a second. Okay, so you did the, uh, ayahuasca. I, I mean, I'm just kind of asking randomly, but it's like it seems like fear... Uh, what's weird, it's like we, you don't... I forget who said it, but they're like, we feel pain to prevent us from doing some stupid stuff to ourselves. Like if we didn't, like people would be wearing their intestines at, like a necklace just for fun. You know what I mean? Like people would be doing, like look what people do to their bodies anyway and they feel pain. They pierce them and tattoo them and all sorts of shit. If we felt no pain and had no fear of pain and death, we would be doing stuff that's so not appropriate for our biology and like our environments that it would turn into Mad Max, like, you know, Hellraiser shit really quick. Um, so sometimes I'm like, I think limits are good, but like just like, maybe even childbirth pains is like it's it's a necessary not evil but it's like a, it's causally necessary how and i'm kind of curious how rafael looks at this how are you looking at i mean do you look at like it's all one thing but it's a yin yang so you need shadow and light and it's like you kind of can't have highs without lows how are you processing the idea of fear because there's primitive fears like ancestral fears that are you know in the mammal dna or whatever atlantis or whatever the fuck you want to kind of allude to right like there's things that are collective and and ingrained in our dna that don't even they manifest through us but they're not our fears right so it's like i'm afraid of snakes probably not because i don't like snakes probably because a lot of my ancestors fucking hated snakes because they were poor you know it's like it's a risk in the environment or whatever um <laughs> yeah. i'm wondering how much of these things inform us versus like it, it doesn't it seems foolhardy to say you know like back in the 90s there was this company called no fear and it's like it's not about having no fear it's about having it's about managing the fear or something like that. I don't think, because if you have no fear, then that's when you're running in, you know, you're the first guy to run over the fucking, the, the enemy lines or whatever. You're the first one. It's not an evolutionary by uh, advantage to that all the time. See what I'm saying? I mean, that's obviously a materially reductionist kind of view, but I'm wondering how you look at the idea of fear. Um, and it might be very different, like, a, you know, an animalistic behavioral fear, like, Oh, like a cat, like being afraid at night in the, fucking jungle or whatever is maybe different than a human fear in the sense of like economic collapse or shifting to cryptocurrencies, but they're rooted in a similar archetype. I'm rambling. I'm just kind of curious now because your book is about fear, no. but it's, um, and we can get to the book in these details later, but that's just hit me. I'm like, I don't think cause you're like, I didn't have a bad trip. I managed it basically is what you're saying. I managed my fear. Yeah. So it's not like that you didn't feel fear. You were brave. What is bravery confronting and moving through your fear? It doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It means you, 
deal with it or whatever. So, which I don't know. Sometimes I'm like, is that disassociation? Is that even like real? Like, are we really being courageous or are we just so far removed from the environment that we're not aware of the risks or, you know, it's like, we, you know, it's courage just like, you know, part of your limbic system shutting down and then you're just not operating, you know, like that. So you're not afraid. I don't know. I'm rambling. Go ahead and say whatever you feel like. <laughs> well, uh, first off, yeah, I really appreciate the rambling. Um, because also got, brought me something to say. Well, fear is definitely something you need to react to. Animals react to fear. Is If a dog is afraid, he will bark, right? Or he will bite you. But what people do if you tell them, hey, you're afraid, they say, no, I'm not afraid. Because people don't want to be afraid because then they look weak, you know? People don't want to show weakness, so they just bury their fears somewhere else because also nobody wants to look at that. Nobody wants to see people's shit, you know? People don't want to listen to you. They just want to talk and they don't want to hear what you have to say. So, you know, you can never get your fear. I just want to point out it's a high priestess card and the eight of cups the, or the whatever the angel was was talking about healing. So it seems what we do when we're confronted with fear, we can either like move through it and there's just probably a spectrum of appropriate and inappropriate responses to fear or whatever. Um, like the scene in uh, Saving Private Ryan where the Jewish guy's like hearing his friend getting murdered or whatever in the hallway and he's like not acting on it because he's too afraid. Um, clearly, there's a spectrum of reactions. Um, oh, God, I just totally lost my train of thought. Fuck. Fuck it. I just I had an appointment and now I'm just gone. So um you're talking about dogs reacting. I didn't mean to cut you off. Uh keep going. <laughs> That's a good point because I was afraid of dogs most of my life. And then there's people they say like I have a spider phobia, so they give themselves a medical term for a fear. Um I suppose <laughs> That's a meme I posted the other day. I think Rafa I just flicked him off because I'm like, Raphael. See, the funny thing about being a Gemini love with house is I spit truth, but I don't believe it because I'm disassociative. So I'm sure you experience this too, where you're like, I know what's true, but then like you have the epiphany on drugs. <laughs> I like, oh, I, yeah, I know, I know. I'm a bitch. Um, no, I'm actually moving through a lot of fear right now in my own life. But anyway, that's synchronistic that you're on. So oh, what I was saying is the high priestess and that um, angel, I think was what I was saying. It's like moving through the fear of healing. I'll be quiet. Uh, feel free to pick up wherever you were. I keep it open. <laughs> Um, is there something you want to say, Raphael? No, Before I just, I just wanted to show the meme. No, it's it, it's funny. I just basically want to reply briefly to Jim because what we like, to, I, I like to do is I'm really not a Bible scholar, but you know I like to distill whatever you know relevant mystic knowledge. He throws I, my I culture assume. back at me, basically. exactly, and then and, and then I'm like, Jim, I thought you're Christian. I mean, you know, and then he's even posting these great memes. I think it's 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 hilarious, you know. And but, but also, that meme is kind of funny because it's like, don't be afraid, but like our innate nature is such that we are we're animals that don't know what the fuck is going on, and when a transcendent object enters our periphery, we don't know what the fuck to make of it. I mean, that's no, usually because we here. haven't been trained in it, and yeah. we have a whole culture surrounded surrounding the idea to wean us off of it or make it seem crazy irrational and all of that when it's just a very natural part of everything you know just different frequency bandwidths and they may look scary i mean honestly the, the, if i look at those they look like you know dmt entities or whatever with all those eyes and it's like it's actually it's super obvious and now uh, christopher you brought up the idea which i love i hadn't heard that yet makes total sense because before I was like, you know, blood of Christ, it sounds so creepy. Why would anyone even do that? And who knows how they called it previously. But if it was like an ayahuasca DMT type or acacia type drink. The blood you know, of Gaia. <laughs> I, I can jive, yeah. you know, with blood of Christ. You know, that makes more yeah. sense, you know. Especially because 
you know, Jesus and Christ, it's always like put like one person, but it's just Christ conscious. Christ consciousness is, is what most people, when you refer to waking up spiritually, this is where you get to, like the Christ consciousness. And Jesus was just a person that was in that Christ consciousness. So blood of Christ, you know, the kingdom of Christ is within you. It's in everyone. And if you discover that, you're like waking up to that. And that's how I feel like I always go when I do any kind of substance and DMT especially in ayahuasca because it's like high dosage and your ego cannot resist that's why ayahuasca gives you the best healing and of course you're afraid of it because uh, yeah the view that's gonna go doesn't want to go you know it's like shit you know I'm gonna get it good because I'm really fucking up that body so I have to go into that I don't want to yeah so fear is also always the part where we don't want to look at and uh, I've just realized you have to look at it. And yeah, it's just a, a state of mind. You know, you can look at a dog and see like this evil thing, or you just start realizing, hey, no, there's people that actually loved. So how can I learn to love dogs? How can I learn to see the beauty in spiders? And I realized that through observation and re realizing that there's always a perspective that allows me to not be afraid of something, to actually be courageous. Because if there's one person, that can love, for example, slugs or something, you know? How slugs feel. I could love it too if I would want to. So if there's one person who's not afraid of dogs, then I can also learn to actually like dogs and be comfortable. And that was my own story. I was afraid of dogs most of my life. And now I just see dogs like, I don't know, just humans. Like, hey, it's buddy, a regular season here. Milan. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. funny because you were saying if you could find evidence of something, basically something finding value in an object or perspective that you weren't as afraid of it. And maybe in an abstract way, just being like, I mean, that's why I usually I'm like, I don't trip on Satan. I mean, it's weird nowadays because it's everyone's like, oh, Illuminati, child cannibals or whatever. I'm like, oh, my God, this is pretty weird, maybe. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like all of creation is being held by the mind of God or however you want to call this. So it's like everything has a value. Like nothing is being nothing is happening that shouldn't be happening, I guess is the best way to put it, even though. Yeah. It doesn't always mean it's advantageous to human life. It doesn't not necessarily it's advantageous to my expectations. Like black holes fucking suck. I don't want to go in one, right? But uh, or you know, like volcanoes might blow up. Um, actually, even just the other day, I was watching uh, some little vignette or whatever of Simpsons predicting kind of predictive programming reality. And I don't want to get into that too much, but they were basically like you know whether it's Donald Trump and all these like little things they've resonated at times, which is kind of weird. And I'm not trying to go down that rabbit hole, but this particular scene was showing um bart holding a canary and they had a baby canary and they're like let's fly to the canary islands and it flew out the window and comes back and it goes to i guess la palma or wherever the fuck this volcano is popping right now in spain and it shows on the cartoon a map where it looks like that would have fallen like displaced and caused like 100 plus foot tsunamis on the east coast anyway weird times <laughs> but the point is i guess yeah. nothing is happening that shouldn't be or can't like it's all good in some weird abstract way doesn't mean it's always preferable maybe Raphael wants to speak on that in terms of like because i'm always having issues when i say bashar there's i mean you can talk about it rough i don't know how much he's into that but like uh, yeah like you know what i'm trying to say Raphael. <laughs> it's like preferences matter but like how do is there a usurping preference like is god's preference take over precedent or how does that work well again uh, it would be the whole question about where do you put the delineation between yourself and god and if God is omnipresent, again, I contend and I rest my case, there can be no separation. 
So, you know, there is ultimately... The confidence no of Obi-Wan Kenobi there getting struck down by Darth Vader. He says it doesn't fucking matter. There is no excuses. However, just briefly to talk about uh, fear, the way I understand it is that fear actually can only become a real, let's say, concern or debilitating as long as you actually do not face it. And upon recognizing it, and the way I understand it, this would be, if you will, probably in many metaphysical systems, but in the Basharian system, let's say, the idea is simply that all negative belief systems and in order to have fear, you must have a negative belief about yourself. So something that puts you into survival mode where you do not see that you have free will choice and actually are an all creative being, um, but are put into survival mode. And then those negative beliefs are those that would generate fear. However, upon making those negative belief systems conscious and recognizing whatever trauma patterning you have, whatever based on assumptions that are negative, whatever society has, you know, pressured you to believe in, um, if you are able to discern those negative beliefs, you can actually recognize them to be perfectly nonsensical. If you come back to the, to the baseline idea um, that you're actually unconditional love and if one is not really understanding the logics of this metaphysics, it sounds just like a saying, oh, you're unconditional love, how nice, haha, yeah. Um, but there are certain ways that this can be approached also, I would say, with quite a, even to say scientific stance or empiric stance, let's say, how this can be verified. And then the idea would be, again, you recognize negative belief systems, you see they are nonsensical, you see you actually do have free will and free choice in everything, and that's how you dissolve them. And the other idea would be that fears actually are only there to be alerting you to negative belief systems you're holding on to, especially if the fear gets very strong, it would mean that you're actually very close to releasing it. And if one on some level can be consciously aware of these processes, just like with the tarot, you know, once you've gone through all the major arcana, you kind of know the basics of the road. So the next time you make a go around, you're in, at least for me, you don't have to be as startled or confused because if once you dealt with fear, it's a new challenge every time, but the basic pattern remains the same. What would you say? Yeah, that's pretty good wrap up. <laughs> I mean, just in general for what we've talked about and now kind of fear, I mean, it's just really nice to hear this also from a different perspective. I haven't really extensively talked to anyone about fear because, uh, yeah no one wants know. to talk about it <laughs> yeah if you go yeah exactly and if you go into depth with a topic there's not many people who can actually yeah have a conversation with you so i this was really nice man thanks you're welcome so just and you don't Come have to mind. but okay. would you generally so you generally say you would agree with the statements i made because that's like from the frames of reference i have that's my basic understanding no, of the mechanism it was, here, let's say no yeah absolutely it's something to look at and uh, that's why the subtitle of the book is a guide to being brave or why fear is a coward because once you start walking towards your fear it just keeps running away and that's the same with people that's why i i don't know some people they always say they have to do martial arts but i've realized well people who want to do martial arts because they're afraid of being attacked if I'm not afraid of them, they're more afraid of me than, you know, I can, it's kind of weird, but I think it works. Like and... clips, right? so that, I don't know if he knows the whole Bashar framework, but it's like, there's people that have permitted themselves to go through the experience of wanting to transcend, getting their asses kicked through fear or whatever. Mm -hmm. So they're preferring that. 
I mean, I, I'm realizing now that, I mean, I've been introduced to a lot of this thinking through you, Raphael, but I don't know if he's ever heard this stuff. So mm, do you see what I'm trying to say? I know I'm not, I see the, the, the laces need to be tied, but you have the expertise and language of the Bashar experience that you had to be able to talk about this. But yeah, it, it I don't know how personally at this point to, uh, how would I put it? Cliche, I don't know. Maybe this is just a Gemini thing about overthinking it, but it seems like there's like rules exist for a reason. Like cliches happen for a reason, rules exist. So it's not like, I don't even know how to put it. Um, I imagine there's things that have happened that aren't personal beliefs that have been entrenched, that have been passed down through culture that are justifiable. It's like, no, you should probably be afraid. Like you don't want to be near Chernobyl probably. Like your belief in it may not matter. <laughs> like you might not believe that it's radioactive or not, but you probably won't do very well near Chernobyl. Um, so then like a fear, a cultural fear is like, don't go near Chernobyl. And maybe it's not as bad as people think, but it's like, it's probably not ideal. See what I mean? I, I think yeah. it's hard because sometimes I think it's like a toroid. It's like, or, you know, wave particle. It's like, you can't have acceptance without rejection. You can't have fear without like, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, I think this stuff has to be, but then it turns into, I guess we've asked to be a part of a dream where we're processing those dynamics of like pole shifting. I mean, going from fear to non-fear. Some people are going from love to hate. I mean, some people's stories aren't as redemptive. It's crazy. Like, you know, some people are like, oh, I grew up middle class and everything. And then I got beat up and raped in a weird thing. And now I'm a crackhead and all this shit. It's like, oh, that's not a good story. Um, anyway, I would, I'm rambling. But Raphael, if you saw what I mean, it's like, I think I'm seeing there's a lot of threads to tie, but I can't do it. So I'm kind of just throwing shit out there. Can I jump in? Oh, please do. You because never have to ask. What, yeah, I'd rather do anyway. <laughs> have to hold myself back. What are you afraid but... of? <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Got me there. Uh, well, I was just looking at your chart. You have Chiron and Gemini, so do I. So our minds are actually the source of a lot of our shadow. So in a sense, like we're our own worst enemies, like you create the fear. I mean, in a sense, like you take ideas of other people and like your imagination goes with it. So if someone's like, did you hear that noise? You're like, oh yeah, I heard that noise. And then you think of a demon and then there's a demon in the woods or, you know, whatever. So, uh, but your North node is in Pisces. So in a weird way, you're supposed to be healing through sensing and like, I mean, you're supposed to hug the fear away. Basically, that's what you're here for. So you're going to like love the fear. Oh, I mean, that's a weird way to put it, but you're finding it through psychedelics and you're like, oh, it's really not that bad. It's almost like Beauty and the Beast, I guess, or something like that in um, Disney where it's like it life is traumatizing and difficult and there are polarities. So it's like I would say what we perceive as evil probably exists, but it's not what we think it is. But it's like that pole exists, you know, black holes or whatever. Um, but in the, in the uh, Disney Beauty and the Beast, which is basically in the story of Beauty and the Beast and all those kind of Grimm's fairy tales or whatever uh, is about women coming to realization that men aren't monsters and they can have sex with them and leaving their father for the beast of the man and the new man in the life. Weird psychology stuff there. But I guess what I'm saying is, um, yeah, in that she, she learns to love him. Like her, I mean, he's, he is scary, but she sees an entrance of commonality, which is like, Oh no, you eat food too. And I'll feed you whatever. I'm rambling. God, I'm rambling today. Sorry. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I, I know. Well, feel free to shoot any of them. If we don't touch them, we'll get you back on here. You're cool. I actually find it quite interesting uh, because now you said something else that I can jump into. But uh, we could talk about psychology say, and fairy tales if you want. I mean, I touch on a lot of things. Yeah, it's a really interesting topic because I've been going into that. But just quite recently, um, well, this one, what I learned through ayahuasca and these other ceremonies, which are ayahuasca type 
things was most of my trauma were really in my early childhood. And that was during one experience where, and that was what ayahuasca does, because you drink huge doses of DMT and it brings you into a state. You cannot resist it. You cannot resist going to that place, which is for me the place of love and where the most healing happens. And I went in that place and I was walking inside myself. So I was laying on a mattress in a room and there were other people and stuff. And But in myself, I was walking around in complete darkness and suddenly I heard like a crying, like a child, like, Whoa! and when they said, hey, Christopher, what's going on? Yeah, they, they picked on me and they were angry and I said, hey, it's all right. You know, I really love you. And suddenly there was this, first there was this voice vortex like darkness like drilling down and really pulling me down and trying to drag me down with it and the moment i said i love you it just dissolved it was just like oh like something like healed and i did this in this session about 20 times i walked around and i healed these children and then i got up it wobbly i walked to the bathroom and i looked in the mirror and then there was this guy looking at me and was like hey you're chris and i was like what like i've never seen that guy. i actually never saw myself before that day and only through psychedelics could i get to that deep darkness where i never wanted to look and actually it was just small children that maybe got spanked you know children are really vulnerable and they are treated like like objects like you have to go there and you have to do this and if you don't do that i don't love you and every time this happens your inner child is like wow it's like a dagger to the heart and this child just remains in that feeling unless you address it so it's actually nothing to be afraid of it's just something you know to allow your inner to heal and you don't have to use psychedelics to do that there's a lot of meditations people do to connect with your inner It's child. really effective. It's really effective because basically yeah. it gets past your ego walls. I mean, it's like a spy. It's a Trojan horse. You Like you're saying, you can't, I mean, in a sense, there's a um, inevitability to it, right? Like you were saying that like it's irresistible. In a sense, in Christianity, we talk about God's grace, God's love being irresistible. And I think that's kind of what's happening where it's like you start just being like, and it doesn't happen often, but I'm, I haven't done ayahuasca and I'm going through a whole lot of shit and I'm starting to, I mean, it's apparent. I mean, you can probably do it at some point, but it's like, it's one thing to know all the right spells, but it's another thing to believe it in your heart. And I think that's where I'm having issues. I think my inner child personally is just like so traumatized and so disappointed with how things are that it's like, why am I here? Like, this is not <laughs> what I asked for at all. I mean, especially if there's ice walls and shit, like, come that on. That is man. exactly <laughs> why you're here, Jim. Of course, that is the answer. Yeah. And also to anyone else feeling depressed or strange, especially now, which is very understandable. I want to reiterate, you know, not that I have any particular authority more than anybody else has to state this, but this is the time that, especially now, that we've come for. And because we knew that we are capable of facing the challenge. Very simple, you know. Again, congratulations to everyone crazy enough and curious enough to incarnate at this time upon this plane of existence. <laughs> However you define yeah. that. I think I lost a bet. Or something. I was. I mean, I really have won a bet. You know <laughs> this, how they say, "May we live? May you live in interesting times, 
and then you get interesting times and then you're complaining about it you know well it's like a mckenna type interesting time it's like uh, not processable i mean it's going at such a rate of speed that i can't it's like one day you know it's just too this is why i can't really watch the news or you know being why it needs a shift in perspective and a shift in density (laughs) because on the levels that we've dealt with everything before it is not manageable so in a way it's actually a good you know part of the birthing process to wean us off certain you know patterns of processing because they simply do not function anymore if they ever have really properly you know um well, it makes me think of Darth Vader. That's like I'm dark father in German, right? So it's like this masculine shadow principle, which is kind of the empire. It's very Aquarian, very Aramonic forces, right? It's like, let's structure and organize an AI and all this shit. And I guess Obi-Wan is like, you don't get it. But at the same time, I mean, I guess he eventually gets it, but it's a process. That's the hardest part for me where it's like, I feel like I've got all this like in 2014. I was like, oh, I'm fully awake. I got it. And then it's like, now I'm just scared <laughs> and worried about traveling. This stupid shit. So, it comes in uh, waves, like right? I mean, yeah. you're suddenly less super awake, especially after also doing psychedelics. You're like, whoa, I get everything. Like, shit, I know nothing. And it's like, woo, woo, woo. But somehow you move. It's right. Somehow is, there's an upwards movement, even though it doesn't feel always like it. Uh, yeah, no, it's 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 a great time to be alive, but it's confusing. At least for me, it's very confusing. And I know I'm going through personal transits and stuff, uh, so it's like, yeah. I mean, it's one thing to just because here's a weird point. Like when people are like I'm going to do whatever I want and I want to be authentic. It's like there's like a shadow to that, you know. Like we're seeing in, in these days, like maybe people weren't as outspoken and individualistic in the, like the 1800s. Um, you know, they were maybe more groupthink, and you know, like the 20th century shows like nationalism and all that kind of like group think. And now maybe people are like, well, I have tattoos and I do what I want. And I listen to this and that and the other, but in some weird way, it's like, it's so shattered that like, there's very little commonality. Now it's hard to communicate with people because it's almost a balkanization of epistemology. Basically. It's like some people are, you know, some people are, I mean, Terrence, we kind of talked about this. He's like, if you, if it's like programs, we're hardware, you know, biology, and then our software is our culture, our, 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 way of apprehending things psychologically sociology sociologically um so somebody who's been raised you know gone to cambridge and is an atheist or something is not running on astrology and tarot 2.0 programming like they're just not but they're still humans in the image of god they're economic beings warning you know having consequences in the dow it's just tricky for me to how to know how to operate with people at least i mean i'm rambling this is a very much a therapy couch for me this podcast sometimes it seems like i'm caught between like how do i let people do what they want without judging but i think there's better ways to do it so how do how do we convince other people to not be destroying themselves on the planet or whatever because we've talked about this at infinitum probably on the podcast but um even the idea of scarcity and all this shit it's like that might just be a mind virus like we might have more way more than enough and we're constantly it's called even pronounce it properly scarcity it's a big scare Scarcity. Is that so far fetched? I mean, to me, it's pretty obvious. Sorry. I always think that logical kind of language magic things are, (laughs) they're they're curiously cool, but sometimes I'm like, I don't think these etymologies have anything to do with it. They're synonyms, like they sound alike, but they might not have root structures. I digress. Um, Sure. I have a good, just have to really get that in. Sorry, I don't want to interrupt, but the card, the angel card was something about speaking out your needs. I really need to go to. To the toilet is that all right can i like pause oh, yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk. talk go pee go shut sh- sh- yeah. okay we'll come back into the frame water. i'll put you back on i'm just i should drink some water it's over there uh 
Yeah, I mean, this is just talking to him. It's like, I got to do ayahuasca or something. I mean, it's one thing to just do drugs, but it's like, I'm not dealing with certain shadows that are so deeply entrenched that it's like talking to you over hundreds of podcasts isn't even helping. <laughs> it's like, I got to go deeper or something. So Of course. It sucks. But well, you know, conversation. Like, of course, therapy. I have thousands of dollars and I want to travel. It's like, no, you can't. It's like, wait, I want to go to the jungle now. Uh, maybe I can. I don't know. But Well, I'm sure there's local groups also. Not where I'm at. I mean, actually, my ex-boss said she knew somebody who knew somebody, but she's never telling me their name. It's like that. I mean, it's like, I don't know anybody here. I've still got mushrooms and acid, so, I mean, I've got things. But I feel like those are almost doing, like, I'm used to that in a sense. And I feel like the ayahuasca is going to just, like, rock my shit in such a way that... Ayahuasca is a realm unto itself, as we discussed on the the show as well. Um, I'll ask around. There's always. Oh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm sure I could find something in Denver, but then it's like, do I want to go to Denver only, during no, COVID no, to do ayahuasca, or should only. I go on a plane and go to Peru or whatever? I know Peru doesn't matter, but I'm like, I want an authentic, like, I want a dude who has no, like, yeah. cultural references to what's going on. Like, I don't want to be like, so do you have Bitcoin? I want to be like, bro, just tell me, like, the parrot spirits in me are battling the vulture spirit or whatever. I want, like, no Western cultural influence. I don't need Jungian lenses. I don't yeah, need, yeah, but- I'll do that. <laughs> I mean, there's some groups we've had, you know, Simon Gave on who's been to one of them. I had friends who've been, I think, to the Kogi. And, you know, of course, I would butcher all of their names now, but there's a few, quite a few indigenous tribes that are also offering these kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the real question is just whether you really, you know, you decide you're ready to face the fear, you know. I'm just um, so tired of like waiting that I'm like, I'd rather lose my mind or fucking meet myself or whatever. I'm not just there. It's like, I've managed, I've, I'm stumbled. I mean, I'm doing the best I can, but it feels like, you know, at some point you gotta get, graduate. And I'm just like, I can't, that's how, that's why I'm like, I'm never going to be against weed and maybe smoking once in now and then is like really religious and whatever, but like certain elements and vibrational chemicals aren't working anymore for me. It's like sure. alcohol, weed, that's just not acid. That'll work. Anyway, we're kind of just talking about ayahuasca and how I got to figure out where it is. Because I smoked DMT on my own back in 2003, and I met Egyptian deities and had a kundalini activation, and it was insane. I still don't know what to make of that. I don't want to do ayahuasca on my own in my fucking bedroom. Like, I don't think that's the way here. Ayahuasca is definitely something ceremonial that you need to be guided through because you need to be completely, like, relaxed in a safe environment, and the only thing you have to do is lay there, and it happened, or... You know, I was so you're really like we're we're soul brothers, whether you know it or not. Just basically looking at your chart, it's like you're very analytical, scientific, mental. I mean, you're a fun scientist, basically. Um, whereas yeah. I'm like a I'm a kid who likes thinking scientifically. I'm not a scientist. Um, how did you get your mind to shut off? How did you not? How did you not like? Did you have parts of yourself being like, "Here we go, we're gonna die now"? Like, how did you deal with that? Because smoking DMT to me, I was like, "Oh shit, I just died." And then I'm like, I guess I'm dead. I'm in the Hall of Mott or whatever. Like, it made no sense to me. Like, it, like I, it was in a sense good that I was alone because I was fully hallucinating eyes open, you know, at two in the morning in my bedroom. So I don't think that would have gone well with like other people in the room. How, how did your process, I mean, you, you could use one uh, ceremony example or just general, but like, how are you as a very mental person managing uh, Mother Ayahuasca's kind of pull? Mm. I mean, you're just saying like let go completely. I mean, at some point that's part of it, so, I guess, and just like relax. <laughs> so, since I also really like Terence McKenna, and Terence McKenna has a very quite nice quote where he says, "The problem is actually often that people 
don't take too much they take too little so the ego can still resist so you actually have to take a sufficient dose that everything is quiet and this is what ayahuasca did you know you drink three times first is confrontation of your ego so you're gonna have a lot of thoughts second is something else maybe higher self or whatever and third is just like divine consciousness where you're just in that state of love there's no thinking there's just endlessness mm. there's just and of course you first this is something you maybe experience at later stage after you've already gone through some ceremonies at first of course it's getting rid of a lot of the the shit that you don't want to look at but after a while i always experienced it just absolute bliss and peace and that's also after i did some of the ceremonies this is the same place that mushrooms brought me and other substances it's like revisiting the same place it's just like something like that's why i love acid i mean acid to me it's like yeah. i know when it's acid. i'm like here we are i'm on that bandwidth it's mario rainbow mode here we go star mode let's go yeah. um, mushrooms are only one phosphorus chemical away from dmt so they're very similar chemically um but mushrooms to me it feels a little more and dmt it's just more out of control i think i have a very i mean now i'm just rambling. i have a very uh, developed ego i think most of us do and I, that's why i'm like oh, i'll take a manageable dose that I want to have fun. I mean, I don't mind getting weird, but it's like, I want to stay in the car kind of, um, that, you know, yeah, uh, definitely. It. I'm probably doubling the dose for sure. I mean, it's interesting that generally, of course, you know, as with, you know, as we always like to say here, everyone has to be very self-responsible with their own health and what substances they believe they want to take in and really understand, you know, the safety profile and all of that. And, uh, uh, whatever legality which i would suggest going to arrowwood.org i think yes, yeah it's got dosage legality everything trip reports so you can actually hear people's experiences don't just take our word for it exactly but the funny thing <laughs> is christopher when you mentioned like what to do i also had the first thought in my mind was you know take enough yeah and it's kind of a joke maybe but at least i mean with most individuals as far as i understand there is I don't know if you can really hurt yourself with ayahuasca or drinking one cup too much because you just spew it out, I would say. And Though I've heard stories of shamans being like, I, spirit of ayahuasca said, that's all. Like, no more. Like, oh, you sure. don't want it. Of course. Yeah. So, of which course. fucks with my head. So, it's like, is there like a hyperdimensional pharmacological, like, how are they knowing? Like, what? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, just, but just to basically say that yeah, the whole point, and this is of course understandable because in Western culture, I think, and also me originally, we're very much trained for outside control. I want to control my environment or control my ego and be in supposed control when the joke is if you have whatever enough of any substance or you're on the proper frequency, which can also be achieved through meditation or anything like that, you're in a different frequency bandwidth and you're just in a different mode of processing it doesn't even relate really to the other mode it's just completely different but to get there it may be necessary not just to take the first step again whether substances or meditation but really you know go farther if you know how to do it to be safe whatever this means to you first of course it would be you know set and setting and having some faith in yourself and knowing how to breathe and it should be said that psychedelics don't feel safe ever I mean, you are safe, but you're like, it never feels like just chill, like smoking. You know what I mean? Like, for, at least for me, tripping, because when people, I think if they hear like, how would I put it? The nature of it is to like touch the barbed wire of the fences of the boundaries of your consciousness. So it's going to like feel weird. It never feels like 
I mean, sometimes it's ecstasy, sometimes it's horror, whatever, but it's like, I don't think it's, uh, how would I put it? Um, I'm just, on higher doses, I guess that you feel like, oh, I've always been here or something. And then you remember like, oh, this whole thing is not what I think. But I think telling people who have never tripped, like they should expect it to feel very alien and different. It's a high priestess moment. It's shit you've never seen before. It's stuff you're not aware of that is going on always kind of stuff. I mean, honestly, all those experiences to me, they felt pretty comfortable and like I'm going home more than anything else, honestly. Yeah. But maybe that's my, you know, astrological setup or whatever. Um, I can relate to that. But also something so that is very essential. Yes, yeah, so losing my you mind. go. Sorry. Um, no, you basically, I just want to say is that this whole control issue, trying to control the outside, when then the joke is, is that if you are in the proper states, you actually let go of control of this like mental ego based control. And then you can realize you actually are in complete control from your higher self and more synchronized with that perspective. And that's a completely a completely completely different perspective um and again there's there's yeah. like a layer or a sound barrier or a threshold where this just flips and if you're not there you always worry about everything try to analyze and so on but if you're above that threshold there is no more you know superfluous thought or at least no more of these negative fear pattern triggerings because you're just on too high of a frequency at least that's my impression yeah and that's the thing also with lsd when I did LSD, I realized always it was kind of very mind-based. So it's like opening, you know exactly what to do. Like, and uh, mushrooms is like also involves the heart. So MDMA is maybe only heart, and LSD is like only here. But for me, mushrooms is always this combination, both put together. And uh, yeah, I found it in the right environment, just by myself, like really calming and. Just laying on a mattress and like holding my hand on my chest, I would start to cry suddenly. And I never cry, I would just start yawning and then tears came out. And in the beginning, I was always really afraid at first, but then I realized, well, actually, nothing ever happens. It's just always that fear before a trip, and then you do it, and it's like actually quite gentle. It's actually quite gentle. Yeah. So I don't know if we got to this in the chronology of things, but you had gone back to Europe. You were doing stuff in uh, the Netherlands. When did you start writing the book? I mean, we got the title. So it's like, was that right about now in that part of your chronology that you started kind of messing around with being an author? Well, yeah, I, I had the feeling I wanted to write a book sometime last year. And I got this, I literally got obsessed with the question, what is fear? And I didn't really... I had also the title first i wanted to write it in english and then german so i wasn't really sure and then i just apparently i was given and that's what's about giving up control because i was in control in many of the experiences that i was doing sometimes i was just being like guided i literally felt like angels pushing me to like take a dip at one degree celsius in a cold lake because i needed to cleanse myself and i was in such pain from the cold afterwards but i always had these experiences where i was just being guided into and in the end i had an understanding of fear if also with Chape, if you know the amazonian snuff i've been working a lot That's a lot with that and yeah <laughs> it's and, not that doesn't geez. feel good <laughs> yeah and sometimes it's I really shat my pants. Really yeah. Chape is, is great. It fr yeah, no, fries I your brain circuits, you know, and then you can be relaxed. 
think it's very, yeah, yeah, but I think it's very effective. De de depends yeah. on the cafe yeah. also. Oh yeah, yeah there's different. <laughs> you just Raphael. She had different types. I was like masculine type of and feminine. I no, no, just to confirm what you said, uh, only one time I experienced this that. Uh, Supposedly, this was some hape from some kind of a snake man from the from South America, whatever, some very special thing. And I was like, okay, you know, let's do it because um, I've I've used hape a lot, different types, and I knew there are differences um, in strength and so on. Uh, but yeah, so we did that, and literally we're like on the island that Danube, well, island Danube Island, which is like you know, uh, public space or whatever here, like recreation park. Um, and literally, like for, I could have moved if I had to, if someone maybe was chasing me with a gun or something. But otherwise, I was really like laying. <laughs> I was literally like just laying there for like an hour, and I did. I didn't really feel, at least, not motivated to move at all. So, and I yeah. even even had another story with a one type that I had used, and it was fine, and it was actually at a festival. And only years later, I got, I I heard the story because. I gave it to a friend because I had some left and I was like, oh, I'm leaving the festival. I'm going to leave whatever I have left with someone, you know, who's nice and who will use it in the right way. So they can have fun with it. Mm -hmm. And then apparently this um, girl I gave it to, gave it to some artists who were supposed to play an hour later. And they were like completely shot or something like, I don't know what dosage they did or whatever, you know, but it had some interesting repercussions. But I think it was it was good overall. You know, usually those stories, you know, it's a turn out well. Um, but yeah, definitely there's, there's big differences in terms of dosage and type, uh, for sure. <laughs> it's interesting that for you, it was also, you said it was mostly comfortable, right? Well, generally I like it. I mean, the very first time I tried it, I was like, okay, wow, it seems first uncomfortable because it really feels like I, to me, I always make the joke and don't know that for the first time I could actually feel my brain. Oh. Because there are nerves that get activated if you have the right dosage and so on. That really feels like, you know, like it's lightning or whatever or electricity going through your brain, which can appear to be hurting a little bit or something, but not really. I mean, maybe it's uncomfortable, but it's not so excruciating, I would say. Um, Completely different. <laughs> Crazy. Okay. It's just, I'm then... just really surprised. Sorry, nice. Was it very was it very excruciating for you? Because I could define it as such, but at least by now I don't really see it that way. Yeah, uh, there's a certain pleasantness in the pain. Uh, I couldn't. I was about to say it's like but jumping into cold water. So it's like, then, ah! yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. But then then it's like getting out of the cold water, warming up again. Is what happens after the first flash. Then the whatever equilibrium sets in, or whatever exactly is happening. No idea. And then you just feel very mm -hmm. relaxed at least in my experience, and refreshed, and also can be effectively used against like cold symptoms. Uh, at one festival, mm -hmm. I also had some stuff oh, really? left, and I could notice... You guys have sniffles? Use rapid. No, no, I literally noticed, like everyone at the, this was Ozora Festival, which is one of the biggest ones in Europe. Maybe you heard about it, Christopher? Ozora mm -hmm. in Hungary? Yeah, I heard about it, yeah. Right. So I've been there a few times, and this one time, I think it was actually because the whole place was incredibly dusty the whole week or whatever, like incredibly dusty, like crazy. And then, you know, tripping, I guess the Saturday before it stops or whatever, and I'm looking around and I see this beautiful girl in front of me in like this hammock and she's sneezing and I'm looking at her and, you know, because, you know, whatever mood you're in, I'm like, oh, this poor girl, how can I help her? You know, she's sneezing. And 
And then uh, I was like, okay, I have some HP left. I gave her some. And then I was looking around, you know, in psychedelic states, you have special perception. And suddenly I hear like everyone is sneezing. So literally that day, everyone started to detox or whatever, you know, get out the dust again or get overloaded with the uh, with that so that they had to start expunging. Um, mm -hmm. And then I gave it to maybe five more people or seven or however, you know, until it left, until there was nothing left. And all of those people were super happy, including me. And at least me, I was able to stay, let's say, fresh or on top for one more day. And then also my nice. system went downhill completely. And it was like for two weeks, I was coughing up what seemed to me like the dust I was absorbing. <laughs> it was really crazy. <laughs> but just to say like Hape there had a very effective, um, was a very effective treatment, at least for short term, let's say suppression of symptoms or whatever. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah, with me, just to on that, because with me, Hape was the substance that showed me most of my fears so i was i would go out at night or i would be in my room and i would do rapé and then i would have some crazy dream and wake up in the middle of the night and just i just faced my my fear in my dream it's just almost shat my pants and the only thing i could do was like get up and not start screaming and i had these experiences quite often and well I also did rapé with mushrooms and uh, that was uh, quite hectic but so I experimented a lot but Rappé for me was always really a challenge but in the end I worked with it for over a long period but I also realized at one point yeah, I didn't have to use it as frequently anymore I just like moved past it but it's definitely something I very much respect and that I also really would like to do like the, in the Amazon rainforest, like we have a, a proper shaman like in the jungle and uh, try how it's there. But for me, Rappé was really something that drew out a lot of my fears and showed them to me like, like as a person in a dream here, that's your fear. Look, it's like, what? <laughs> yeah. Did you get to use Hape during ayahuasca? Because I think that's actually when I first used it, which of course is particularly recommended, I would say. But uh, have you ever yeah. done that combination? That was the first time I did it, actually. Right. The same for me, yeah. So that, that, was, that was nice. <laughs> yeah. And then I got hooked and I thought, I love this. And then, yeah. But actually, a lot of people also I gave it to, they all vomited. It's I, The way I've experienced it also with other people it was quite heavy limited from using it really but have yeah. you eaten so much do you think they have such a high nothing toxic level or do you think you're happy or your own aura is so cleansing that everyone starts throwing up immediately well i have I realized there's yeah sorry rarely and me myself never so i'm curious as what you do differently <laughs> um i think i don't know if it's the rapé but you have tried different ones i realized that the first time i did rapé on my own i i was really knocked out and i could only crawl to my blanket to lay down on it so the first couple of times i did rapé because one time i realized i was writing the book of fear and uh, i was writing a lot about corona the pandemic and what I believe is the truth, uh, <laughs> whatever that is. But uh, so I was going a lot against the system and I was for, well, 
maybe half an hour i was in that feeling i'm actually release it like this and you know they're gonna come and take me away and put me into prison and while i was feeling like this i felt like okay i need to do some rapé so i sat down before my little shrine and i did rapé and then i was sitting there and i was really afraid also to do it so i shot the rapé and i was thinking and suddenly i felt this incredible fear and like whoosh, just went out of me just like this this huge fear and because of rapé i could suddenly see it and if you have a lot of pent-up energy in you and i guess that's you know every person is different some uh, don't have so many build-up stuff and others have more and and i felt like i had a lot of emotion that i never dealt with and when i started using rapé they were all shown to me and uh, that's what i feel with a lot of people that it really knocks them out and it's a kind of cleansing, right? I mean, it's the vomiting is good. It's a cleansing. Um, but it's also quite intense. Yeah. Agreed. Well, I, I generally would recommend, you know, fasting before that. <laughs> yeah. I guess maybe my strategy. Yeah, no. And, that's and dosage, that's of true. course. One doesn't have to overdo it, but also here. And similar, like with, especially with, uh, I guess, DMT and probably both with ayahuasca and by smoking it there really is great value in being able to discern the threshold level where you kind of mm -hmm. actually want to go over to get the full effects of the experience. Because otherwise, especially like with smoking DMT, to me, it's a waste actually if you don't do it properly because you're not really getting anywhere. And yeah. It's like titillating, but not a breakthrough experience. Yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, it's, I guess I might see patterns maybe. <laughs> Versus like, oh, that's getting <laughs> my fucking soul. What's going on? Um, all right, so uh, we could talk about the book a little. I mean, fear specifically. I mean, do you think this is a human condition? Do you think this is like a psychological error and we just have to balance the checkbook eventually? Do you think, I mean, as a Christian, I think there's like a fundamentally um, broken element of reality that is just got to like, I don't I don't even understand how to explain it. It's almost like. Um, don't they even say that fear is an acronym for false evidence appearing real? That would at least go <laughs> my type of thinking. So if all negative belief systems fundamentally are illogical and nonsensical, then it would be no, necessary and yeah. but they're necessary in a causal sense. Like you won't be the person you are if you don't go on the Don Quixote journey and find that the not in windmill this life. is the giant. Not in this life. This life certainly is, you know, very much based on fear as well, you know, as a catalyst. No, no question about it. Um and especially, I mean, yeah. with all the semi-disclosures kind of stuff happening, it's like, I feel like we're all ready for something new to happen, whether it's abyssal plane creatures coming from this Hadron Collider or what, you know, legalized psychedelics. And Anyway, what do you think fear is? How do you think, do you think we're going to evolve past it? Do you think it's necessary? I mean, I, I almost think it's necessary to just don't understand it, really. It's almost like, like hardships make you stronger, but it's not fun particularly. Yeah. No, um, facing your fears is definitely not fun. And uh, I stress the point uh, when I talk about these things also, the spiritual path as such, and everybody's different. I mean, some just go on me meditating into, you know, oblivion and they're like, oh, everything is love. But I don't feel like that's my way of doing it. So I feel like the spiritual path and working with your fears, it's like brace yourself. Like, you know, it's a challenge. You know, you're not 
not gonna get it easy you have to really like discover your inner hero or something just see the fun in jumping on a jaguar's back or something i don't know but what i feel like fear is is i mean it's basically also everything that's holding you back of, of leading leave, living a rich and fulfilling life but also what Raphael said and now i forgot what Raphael said but um something that really helped me on my path <laughs> on my path was ramdas because ramdas you know i listened a lot to terence mckenna and he's all about substances and i listened also a bit alan watts and he kind of sees the comedy about you god and stuff like this but something i realized ramdas Ram is the only person from these three that really went and tried to live only in the present moment with love and well he got quite old and uh, what i felt also with psychedelics and i feel like saying this they drain your life energy and at one point you have to start losing using really less of them and that's why i really try to extend i still want to have psychedelics in my life that's for sure because i also st just still want to see what happens you know next time but i also realized yeah i have to take it down a notch but what is fear uh you asked that well fear that's what Raphael said it also a catalyst right i mean i always say if this stuff wasn't going on right now, that so much fear is um, imposed on us from the outside, well, what would I be doing? What would anyone be doing that, you know, tries to discover stuff and is different? We can all be different because, you know, this kind of stuff is happening because there's actually a necessity for people like us and everyone who tries to find out who they are and work through that fear of, you know, being not right and being shit and yeah what a fear it's a perspective and you can change that perspective it's a reality you can also say that and i once had this i know sometimes when i go through my life i have these certain experiences that extend over maybe a month or six months I was a student that feels like a movie playing off right the time when i was a student and sometimes i feel like I wake up a dream. I don't know where I'm going to go. I think I give the ball to you. <laughs> That's probably Just when you're in your destiny, away. though, because your North Node is in Pisces. You're supposed to feel like you're dreaming, basically. I mean, at yeah. my best times, I'm doing psychedelics, you know, responsibly, and I'm they're lubricating me to the awesomeness of wonder and novelty, basically. It's like we don't know shit. Holy cow, what a miracle we're here! And yes, it's yes, it's difficult, but I mean. Every game has fucking parameters and context of like challenge. I mean, it's a game basically, yeah. but it's like, like, yeah, yeah it, it, there's no rules and parameters. That's why I'm saying. Like, I think some things are good to be afraid of, but ultimately we'll find it's like, you know, a hologram in a sense. So it's like, you're not the, it's it was, a, it was a matter of shattering a perspective or whatever. Afraid of themselves. Well, yeah. Um, yeah. Because, I mean, in a sense, we're infinite or whatever. So it's like there's a lot we don't know about ourselves. So when we fall into this dream and we're participating with ourselves in mass, it's just confusing. I, I mean, I really do hope for some kind of clarity, I guess, that psychedelics do bring. But to your point, um, I mean, I've always looked at psychedelics as almost like driving your car backwards full speed. It's like you can do it, but like you're not designed to do that all the time. Um, there's definitely yeah. – brain is engineered not to be like fully electric you know i don't know if you've seen cat scans of like a you know 
normal brain patterns and on LSD, it's basically just like fully lit up. So it's like, you're right. I do. I think I've aged even I've got white in my beard a little because of doing acid so much or whatever. So I think if you play, yeah. you know, on, on the sun, you're going to get a little burnt, but it's better to play in the sun and get a little burnt than never have. Because no. also this is a matter of perspective who says that this is, would not be a, a potential default state for humanity, not necessarily having it all lit up. But the question is, why it's generally speaking only a small part lit up and i'm pretty much guaranteeing that this has a lot to do with upbringing culture and education as to why we would even use that as a frame of reference uh, see what i'm saying well like angels aren't always among uh, here's what, it seems like there's certain like elements like are certain like levels of radiation or electricity it's like there's certain bandwidths that are just so intense like you can't really be on a peak acid ecstasy moment forever really uh given our biology now maybe maybe we go there eventually like f- sure caterpillars aren't butterflies and we'll get there maybe the psychedelic state is the natural state but we've fallen into an ignorant state where that is like in a, in a sense and what's certainly true is you can neurologically or however you want to explain it epigenetically repattern yourself and i don't know about you guys experiences but i'm pretty sure you also experienced this in the years that you really dealt with yourself you actually developed a different i don't know how to say capacity profile, even capacity to conduct energy or consciousness. And while I, in a, in a way, I, yeah. while in a way I agree, there is some potential pitfalls, if not done carefully, that one could sense like one is using losing life force by doing these things. At the same time, if you think about it, it's actually only a higher frequency state. So actually, if we deal with this properly, we should actually be rejuvenated by it and not deteriorate through it. Um, yeah, just want to throw that in. Yeah, to a certain extent. But what I've realized is that also when using Javier, for example, or smoking weed, I often rely on the substance to get in that state of mind. Whereas I know by now I can actually get in that state of mind through fasting or, for example, through workout and active engagement with the world. So I do what I love. So this is how I feel sometimes when I'm doing my podcast or I'm just going out and I don't know, swimming in the lake or something. I just feel like I've taken LSD or something. I've realized what the substance itself shows me is just something that is possible. And then I learn to get there without using it. And then I can use it to just to confirm, okay, how did it look like again? Okay, get some insight. And then, okay, just change my life, change my diet in a way that will allow me to have that kind of uh, state of mind just from my own fullness by healing myself and then filling my own cup and then you know the cup is overflowing at one point and then i'm just constantly like i'm on psychedelics that's how i imagine these all these enlightened guru figures to be and i think how to get there is is not yeah that is certainly the king's road and also um, at least with those that really managed it and it's you know also here many historical figures have to be revised probably um, however, I was wondering for a long time, like, why do you have all these saints and so on? And like you see gurus and they're always smiling, like, yeah. like what the F, like what's, what's up with them? Like, are they, are they high? And when I realized a little bit yeah. about Taoism and energy circulation within the human body, I understand at least to some extent what they're doing and yeah, it's perfectly normal. And that's just the result you get, you know? And, uh, and as you correctly state, of course, these are things which you can attain completely without such type of substances, though certainly at least, let's say, the proper environment, whatever this means, nutrition, 
lifestyle thinking, belief system and so on can uh, lend themselves to make it easier, you know? Um, yeah. 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 That's what's up. Um, so, go ahead. No, dude, conscious yours. There's a little delay. So we're always like stepping on each other's toes, but it's whatever. Uh, what okay. were you going to say? Chris, uh, Christopher. I just had this one point, which turned out to be really important in my path and also dealing with my surroundings. And it, that was friends. And I realized that a lot of the friends that I used to have, I all, I dropped them all because I realized they were holding me back and they were going in a different direction. So I realized I wanted to change. I wanted to help have a healthy diet. I wanted to surround myself with people who think positive and that want to like go at least in the same direction. And it was quite hard, but also while writing the book and doing all these things, I faced a lot of this letting go, just practicing to let go, let go, let go of the stuff I own, but also let go of friends and even friends that I had for years that had so many precious memories with, I just realized at one point, I don't want contact with you anymore. And uh, so I just cut them off. And it took me a while to get used to it. But I realized I just didn't have the energy to deal with these friends anymore, because I just wanted to get move forward. I wanted to get out of this shithole that I've been living in all this time. I wanted to get out of my depression. And I just wanted to like stand on the hill and like smile away. And yeah, it's still a way, but I really realized sorting out my life and changing diet and yeah, just looking at what friends, you know, they always smile, but they actually are not happy for me when I accomplish something. It's just these ego games and no honesty. And I didn't want that anymore. And that definitely contributed. Yeah. Yeah, those are the type of friends. If you have them, you don't need any more enemies, right? And just yeah. out of curiosity, how long was that turnover period for you? Because for me, I would say it was about a year when I, and then it like, mm. you know, a whole new dimension opened up and this then, you mm. know, keeps happening. But how, how long was like mm. the, maybe the, the limbo state for you? Because before usually there's the new shore, oftentimes we test ourselves if we are brave enough to still let go, even though the future is not completely certain, which it never is anyhow, we can just make ourselves believe that it is. Um, so how long was that transitional state for you? It was like, yeah, one and a half years, maybe one and a half to, well, it started, really started when I say when it really kicked off in May, 2019. And I feel like I've arrived now because my goal was then in Africa, I met somebody who lived uh, in Amsterdam. So we studied together in South Africa and we became really close friends. And ever since I came back to Germany, I wanted to go to Amsterdam. And this is why I'm now sitting in his bathroom because I just uh, had this thing. I did, I, I did uh, in the city park where I used to live uh, with my parents at night. And I was asking the universe because he invited me to come to Amsterdam um, for an event and that was on the 4th of I was sitting there doing rapé and I said to the universe how should I get there I don't have money I literally have no money and uh, I don't have a car and then a bicycle so I was like no way I actually want and I tried to resist and I said I don't want to do it I'm not gonna cycle I want to travel in style and well if you call it the ego or whatever, but I really had a go at it. And in the end, I just did and gave up control and 
well, my dad gave me a bit of money when I started cycling because it was 300 kilometers. But I decided pretty clearly that I wouldn't make it in, in three days all the way. So I cycled for three days and then I took the train to, for the rest of the journey to Amsterdam. And then I decided to stay in Amsterdam and, and uh, he supported me. And now I'm looking for a job and yeah, want to get my stuff going. That's really cool. Love Amsterdam. Cool. Love just to be here, but. Yeah. yeah, it's funny. I don't, did Germany just legalized weed because I saw a meme on Reddit saying like it was a it was a meme of Andy dropping Woody from the Toy Story, but it was like Germany dropping the Netherlands flag because they're like so long, buddy, because like Germany's gonna legalize weed. Is that what's happening right now? Did you know? I heard about news, that. It's news like today. I was like, I didn't know Germany was hip like that. Oh, I, I heard so about anyway, it, but. Yeah. Are you enjoying Amsterdam? I've been there for like a week. It was great. I was yeah. in Amstelveen, a little south, and I took the train in or whatever um, at a hostel. But uh, yeah, dude, it's a great little spot. You can do truffles. You can smoke weed, whatever. Um, hopefully, you're finding the kind of friends. I, I mean, you're with a friend, but um, finding yeah. your crew. Yeah, it's weird because uh, like you guys are saying, I mean, sometimes it just takes – I mean, even in the movie The Toy Story, right? Like I was just saying, it's like Woody was – the number one toy and then there's a period where they're not the number one toy and then now they belong to somebody else like the story never ends it just changes gears a little so hopefully um as long as people like you are kind of confronting their shadow documenting the experience talking with people like us maybe somehow the akashic or others you know at the highest level of the akashic or people watching this realize they're not alone they're not crazy they're going through similar shit there's other people out there like them you know, I think right now, even though, because right before COVID, I mean, I was going to Australia, Europe, I was in Ecuador. I was traveling a lot. And I, like the Team Rabbit Hole thing was starting to pop. And I was like, oh, shit, I'm just going to travel and podcast and do drugs and play my guitar. It's great. Nice. COVID pop. I'm engaged now. I mean, it's like a lot of things shifted so much that I'm like, oh, my fiance doesn't prefer me on, you know, smoking or drinking. So I can't do that anymore. It's probably for the best. Kind of like you were saying, like there's people that come into your life to catalyze you. Well, she's on that way. My point is I'm rambling. Even though there's a lot of restrictions and heavy energy right now, I guess there's, you know, that doesn't mean growth isn't possible just because winter is happening in the Northern Hemisphere doesn't mean that seeds aren't germinating below the soil or the fungus, you know, is still being mycelial, uh, whether we see it or not. So I guess um, we're hitting about two hours uh, now. I don't know how much you want to talk. we got to get you back on. I'm kind of like starting to like, I need, I need some water probably soon. Um, but let's start kind of winding down. Um, what, if anything, or... Uh, because I'm going to read the book and we'll get you on next time and talk specifically about the book. Like right now, I'm like, who are you? What, what's going on? And we kind of like peppered around it. But like, I'm going to probably analyze. Like, I'll be like, yo, on page 42, you said X, Y, Z. How do you? Like, what do you <laughs> uh, I'd rather, I, I want to kind of check it out. Uh, so I, I want to do that for you. But um, are there any kind of parting thoughts or like sentiments that you want to wrap up this idea with? Because um, I think we got to present time. I mean, you got, you're like, I cycled all the way here and I trust the process and the universe provided, even though it's not exactly what I expected, it worked. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll be quiet. Is there anything you want to kind of say on that front and tell us about your podcast? Where can we find your book? We'll get you back on here. Hopefully, you know, I've got some friends in Europe, obviously, and uh, hopefully I'll start kind of doing your things. But um, <laughs> like my brother's in Europe right now. I, I, I would be there. If, I guess I could. I just don't want to jab something up my fucking nostril right now, particularly. So I'm like, I don't. No, I don't know that. Anyway, um, are there any kind of parting thoughts? Where can we see your book? What What are you up to? You know, any shout outs, whatever you want to kind of do there. Well, first of all, 
thanks a lot. This was my first time in an interview, and I really appreciate that you also gave me the chance to, yeah, talk about these things. I really enjoyed it. Already yesterday, when nothing was working anyway, I was just practicing. You know, I didn't know if anybody heard me. I was just practicing and talking to myself, and uh, I actually had a great time and it's just so weird to sit in a bathroom and have one foot on the toilet seat and like <laughs> just uh, it's kind of strange but i also yeah, but really like it tell us no one would have noticed so yeah background you know yeah. Like, you know it's all you know as we learned today optics you know is yeah at least half the deal so yeah <laughs> yeah but yeah um Thanks for that opportunity. I really enjoyed this. Uh, Hopefully it wasn't too damaging. I mean, it's supposed to be fun. No, it was perfect. Hopefully it wasn't too traumatizing. (laughs) No, it's really perfect. I really like it. Um, So where can people find your book and just give the full title again and what's your podcast? And there's your website, Christopher-Roish.com. Yeah. Um, So... My book is called Book of Fear, A a Guide to Being Brave, or Why Fear is a Coward. And uh, my podcast is Spiritual Advice from a Barbarian Lunatic. And uh, you can find that all on my website, ChristopherMinusRoyce.com. And there's also a YouTube channel which has, like, additional stuff. And, uh, yeah, I'm constantly creating stuff. Sync it to Odyssey. Sorry? Raphael's anti-YouTube. I'm not <laughs> anti-anything, but I don't want to people have all their stuff banned for no reason and then lose their content, you know? He'll show you how, but if you go to odyssey.com, um, you can sync up your YouTube account to them as well pretty easily. That's what Raphael's done. Oh. Uh, we're not on YouTube at all, but um, I guess we're on Spotify and some other stuff. Anyway, if you ever like, if you ever want to get technical, you guys can geek out because Raphael's the fucking man behind the curtain here. I just kind of say I'm in the mood to talk or not. And then, <laughs> um, yeah, whatever. So I love the title of your podcast, though. Say it again. Uh, spiritual advice from a barbarian lunatic. It's a yeah. Visigoth invasion 2.0, folks. Here we go. Uh, we're, we're taking down the system. Hopefully, we climb ice walls soon or something. Whether on DMT or not, I don't know, but we'll see. Um, Christopher, it's been a pleasure. You're not you're you're a brother from a different mother for sure. Just strictly astrologically speaking, your team rabbit hole is fucks, so and never doubt that. Um, but hopefully, we meet up sometime. Like I said, I've lived in Switzerland and been to Europe and stuff. So hopefully, if I can get back over there, we'll hang out. Raphael is cool as fuck. Make sure if you ever swing through Vienna, cross paths, whatever. Hopefully, there's not like fucking nice. Orwellian cage shit to go through or whatever. But uh, yeah, you guys are holding it down. Um, Thanks for coming on and giving us a little of your magic. You're cool. And uh, yeah, I guess in parting, I've, y'all, if anybody listens to this podcast or whatever, I have been in a weird space. You can see it here. I've slammed my finger about a month ago. Did you paint your nails? No, no, that's a month old. And uh, basically between drug abuse and shitty job and depression and winter and stuff, I've just not been good. So it's nice to get back in the, I mean, we haven't done a podcast in like two or three months or something like that, like a while. Um, so I'm glad that you yeah, were the just first. So you know, kind of Christopher Jim person. before the show claimed he was so depressed and didn't want to talk. Oh, I was crying Apparently, 30 minutes ago. The I was just crying. And I was th- like, "This th- sucks." Thank you, I hate nice man. But um, it's not a good cry. I was just like, I don't. I was having suicidal ideation. Actually, I was like, I wonder what it feels like oh. to pull a trigger on my face. I don't have a gun. Nobody worry. <laughs> uh, but I'm just at this point where I'm like, 
this dream has to shift sooner or else I'm going to shit my pants. I'm so tired of Biden and COVID and uh, I'm just, I'm tired of it. So anyway, that's where I'm at, <laughs> but it's nice to come back in the swing of things. So whether I, yeah, really nice, man. Been... Uh, or not, really but thanks for giving it. us kind of lubrication and um, yeah, we'll get, we'll come, we'll have you back on here. Raphael, any kind of parting thoughts? No, thank you. It was great. You know, follow the path of least resistance and higher self guidance and synchronicity. And this is what happens. So Thank you, Christopher, so much for reaching <laughs> out, and uh, thanks everyone for listening. Auf right, Wiedersehen. Wave. Bye. Thanks. Auf Wiedersehen. <laughs>